Ready, Dave? Welcome to My Nightmare. This is Mine too. <laughs> Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. Your nightmare, my nightmare. America's nightmare. America's nightmare. <laughs> Rock music's nightmare. You're Jordan Cooper. And you're Dave Fox. This is John Henry Part 3, if I'm keeping track correctly. And I know you are. Episode 49. Next one's the big oh. five zero. Yeah, we could get a cake. We could kill ourselves. We could, yeah. It takes a lot to do 50 of anything, right? 50 push-ups. <laughs> it's an achievement. 50 steps. Yeah. 50 um, donuts. I mean, even eating 50 donuts is hard. Not for me. Yeah, well. <laughs> There's a few foods that I could eat endlessly to the point of, like, disturbing. I think pizza, <laughs> donuts, and, like, eggs. <laughs> so that's, that's it. I think maybe eggs, Yeah, yeah. Eggs are so easy to eat. They're so they easy. Slip to eat. right in your mouth. <laughs> anyway, um, I found out that it's very easy for you to eat a lot of donuts and pizza when we were in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, life update. Me and Dave went to Seattle. Life update. Uh, we got married. <laughs> no, yes. um, I got COVID. Uh, Dave didn't na- narrowly escaped it. I guess because no. we both did all the same things. Well, I had it before. He had it before. I think I got. See, my theory is I got it. On, we took different planes back, so yeah. I think I got on the on plane. the way there. We held hands. <laughs> On the way back, we were separated. Um, yeah, we did uh, a Seattle Emerald City Comic Convention. Yep. No one, I said, and if anyone no one cares, <laughs> no, I said on Twitter, if anyone uh, wants to meet us, say hi to us. No one did. Uh, I think that's probably the preferred for both of us. Uh, we met a lot of lovely people and a lot of unlovely uh, yeah, people. Yeah, a lot of ugly people. <laughs> And a lot of unlovable people. Unlovables, no. yeah. I call them unlovables. The unlovable. <laughs> Seattle, home of the unlovables. <laughs> anyway, let's jump into this. We've got four... Enough nonsense. Let's get down to business. Dave, I would call these four songs fascinating. I would agree. <laughs> Thank you. Legal leak. <laughs> We've got interesting songs. That I, I th- they're all character songs. Yes. And it's kind of continuing from last episode, which, which had some character songs. And uh, John Henry's, I mean... The thing about John Henry is what I said with the lyrics. The lyrics are a little more clear. So whereas other They Might Be Giants albums had character songs, but you, you had to like read the lyrics maybe 10 times to, to get <laughs> that's what was happening. This one's mm-hmm. kind of right away. Like, oh, okay, this is, this is a character. This is a little story we're being told. Right. Yeah, we're in an interesting section of the album, a wildly different material. I agree once again. Though I will say, yeah, Linnell's got two basic rockers and Flansburg's got the two genres. Schlockers. Schlockers. <laughs> I'll stop rhyming things. Yeah. I apologize. That's all you're going to do the whole time. Um, it's I, just rhyme. I like this song. Schlong. <laughs> Dave, see, you should be like a, with those hip hop, like the, what are they called? The yes mans? <laughs> I, the hype man. Hype mans. Yeah. yeah. You'd, be yeah. Good, you'd be good at that. Just be behind the guy. Yeah, Jordan. Or the girl. Or the lady. <laughs> the little Kim or what have you. Yeah. How's she doing? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not so great. <laughs> Let's talk about the first song in this John Henry. It's a little, it's a little nugget. It's a little pocket of John Henry. Pocket. <laughs> That's right. Lock it. Pop Uh, it and lock it. The first song we're going to talk about is very, well, it's a lot to talk about, uh, like they all are. And it's called, I Should Be Allowed to Think. Think. 
I saw the best minds of my generation Destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical I should be allowed to glue my poster I should be allowed to think I should be allowed to glue Dave, I'm always saying this. I should be allowed <laughs> to think. Who's stopping you? This is that's the point. That's the song. There I think go. that's the joke. We're done. Let's go to extra savoir fair. <laughs> this is a dense one, yeah. but I'm gonna let's try to let's try to bang this out. Okay. I should be allowed to think. Well, first of all, I'll just ask you, as I like to do, what what do you think of this song? Do you like it? You're allowed to tell me <laughs> what you think. Of this song. It's great. I like it a lot. As I said in part one of this, I feel like I'm just going to be saying that a lot for each yes. song. We're in a sweet spot on I the mean, album, it's I think. really high up there for me, too, as far as songs go. Love the lyrics. Love the composition. Oh. A great Linnell number. Yes, this is a classic. I'm running out of things to say. <laughs> yeah, I know. About how great everything is. Yeah, that's the hard thing about this podcast. Yeah. But when things get bad, it'll be... Oh, it gets it'll, bad. It'll be entertaining. <laughs> we'll go dark. Oh, yeah. We're going to lose all of our <laughs> listeners. Are we kidding? I don't know. Okay, I should be allowed to think. First of all, yeah, generally just a fantastic, like great, catchy song. <laughs> it's a huge favorite, especially the, uh, listening to it this week. I was just like, God damn, fucking yeah. so good. A lot of good sounds. He just, he just, <laughs> these things just fall out of him. These great songs. Talented. Um... <laughs> He's uh, got prospects. Yeah. You go through kind of a journey with this song as like a young fan listening to it and then growing older and learning mm -hmm. more about it. My very, very, very first impressions yeah. hearing it for the first several times was that it like I didn't get to me it seems sincere and it seems yeah. relatable. <laughs> uh and it seems kind of just like, oh yeah, like Seriously. So that was before you knew that uh, Linnell has a very low opinion of <laughs> yeah, mankind. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that was before I realized that yeah. Linnell is like, basically several times on this album, he's being pretty sarcastic yeah. and- uh, Not on Snail Shell though. I don't care what the fucking Twitter <laughs> yeah. poll says. Um, he's you being, bastards. Yeah. He's <laughs> you all betrayed being, me. Well, it's funny because this song begins what I consider like a trilogy of sarcastic character <laughs> songs. So yeah. this, there's the this- Apocalypse and The Apocalypse Trilogy. Next, and the next two. And this song, is is as Linnell has directly said uh this is like a not autobiographical it is a satire mm. and it is a character i'll i'll start right off the bat i have some quotes from him about this song just so that people don't think i'm talking out of school yeah exactly aren't you supposed to be smart when you're talking out of school <laughs> i think you're well you're out of school yeah so that you, means you graduated don't you have the oh, knowledge or it then? could mean you're skipping school and you're i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Guys, write in. So it, there's this one interview where someone says, you know, they're like, you said you uh, you have a line. I saw some of the worst bands my generation. Mm -hmm. What are the worst bands of your generation? Fair question. And Linnell, in his uncomfortable <laughs> uh, way, says, well, that's not, you know, we don't write autobiographical material. It's not really a personal complaint. The song is from the perspective of somebody else. That's one of those things that for some reason, if you write a book or if you're writing a screenplay, you can say I and people know you don't mean yourself. Mm. For some reason, if you say I in a song, people assume that it's as though you're sitting on stage actually speaking plainly, right. doing something other than creating entertainment for people. Same thing with comedians, too. <laughs> exactly. And then he says, the thing to bear in mind is when in a song we say, I killed my parents, we're not actually <laughs> confessing something. There wasn't really a man from Nantucket. <laughs> 
there's a, another quote where he says even more specifically what's going on, which I, this was really exciting to find this quote, but it's from an interview where someone's like, I love, I should be allowed to think. I think it's a really political song, but mm -hmm. it's also charming as opposed to being, this is how I feel sloganeering. And then Linnell says, in the song, the guy who's singing the song is blaming everyone around him but himself for his problem of not <laughs> being able to express something. Yeah. And it's something I could sort of get into, but it's sort of a joke in a way. It's not the way I feel. And it's a parody of the way anybody else particularly feels yeah. because it's taken to such an extreme in the song where they're saying the government is preventing them from having <laughs> ideas. Right. So the idea that just being like, you can, you're allowed to, to think. <laughs> well, he's also saying so much in the song. Yeah. So obviously he's allowed to speak and think. Well, okay. That, yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. The, the second part of this quote. We'll get to it now, goddammit. <laughs> second part of this quote, he says, John and I live in Williamsburg where there's a lot of young bohemians <laughs> moving in right now. So it's Bohemian is the word that came before hipster. Yes, they, yeah, I, I, I wanted to have talk a little bit, bit about that Sorry, word. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's it's fine. Um, so then that's the only way I can get in it. Linnell <laughs> yeah, says so. It's partly inspired by the, that scene where there's a lot of people running around sticking their flyers up. Now that <laughs> we're grumpy old men, it seems like it's sort of irritating and it's sort of nostalgic <laughs> and charming to see other people doing their dumb little thing like we, <laughs> like we did. So he puts it on himself a bit. Yeah, too. but you know he doesn't think his thing was dumb. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a great way to articulate all of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I see it as critical of youth culture in the nineties, right. the grunge era, the slacker era, but mm. there, there was also this the counter thing to the slacker thing, which is that they were, they did have this, there was this vibe of like, we're being oppressed by the man. Mm -hmm. And that's also a very sixties thing. I think it's just a thing that's in every generation. Yeah. You want to rebel against the previous generation. Yeah, I mean, you want to push back to something. Let's pick apart the song a bit and see how he's expressing this sarcastic, uh, mean, <laughs> funny <laughs> idea. So the first line of the song, Dave, yes. references the poem Howl by Allen Ginsberg. It sure does, Jordan. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the Negro streets at dawn looking for an angry fix. Angel-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo in the machinery of night, who poverty and tatters and hollow-eyed and high... Um, it's funny because, again, when I'm young and I'm hearing the song, you, you don't know that. Did you, I was going to say, you didn't know the poem, right? Of course not. Yeah, and I didn't so, either. So I'm just kind of hearing it and being like, whoa, these are really interesting lyrics. Yeah, it was like, on The Simpsons, too. <laughs> yeah, it's in a lot of things. Um, but yeah, I was just like, wow, like, Liddell's a great lyricists. They do sort of fit with Linnell's lyrical style. Yeah, they do. Um, it's funny. So I read Howl today. Yeah, I read it a long it's, time ago. It's long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are you a big poetry fan, Dave? You know, the younger me would have made a joke there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I can, I can get into some poetry. I mean, what are lyrics but poetry? Yeah, I think for me, a lot like, of it's pretentious and shitty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read all about Howl, and it's, it does tie into the song in a way. Of, of I, I think it's actually the key to what Linnell's yeah. doing here, which is that he's like... I'll say I liked that poem, even though I Howell's kind of good. didn't understand it. <laughs> it's a little dense. It's a yeah. little above my pay grade, as well, they say. Thankfully, the Wikipedia like explains <laughs> a lot. Well, well, I didn't look it up. <laughs> to simplify like Howl, which is a crazy thing to even say, because it's very complicated. Howl is filled with a lot of very personal references. Yeah, yeah from Allen Ginsberg's life. So there's really yeah. no way to know 
right. what's a lot of it's about unless you like read a biography on him and all yeah. his poetry beatnik friends that Howell is about. Like, so Howell, when he says, um, I saw the best minds of my generation, all that stuff, that's about like his friends and his contemporaries right. in the in the art and poetry scene. Mm-hmm. And when he's saying that they're destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, what he's referring to, and by the way, everyone, I'm not an expert on Howell. Yeah. You can find this out yourself. I'm just, in case I get something wrong and or I'm simplifying yeah. it in a dumb way. I know I, <laughs> I listen to podcasts where I know more about the topic than the podcasters and it drives me crazy. So if someone knows more about this, I'm sorry that I'm being so kind of direct and simple about it. But so when he's saying that That's they were- That's big of you to say. <laughs> yeah, thank you. When he's saying they were destroyed by all these things, what he's basically saying is- Drugs? You know, yeah, drugs, madness, capitalism, in uh, in his mind, mm-hmm. uh, the man, basically. Yeah. He's basically- White, all, Whitey. All, all my friends- <laughs> He's saying- all, Us, Jordan. <laughs> he's basically saying, I mean, in a way, it's a very nostalgic poem because he's thinking about all his experiences he's had with yeah. his friends. And and I actually, this kind of connects to a thing They Might Be Giants talked about once and, and also why I think Howell maybe resonates with Linnell. Um, but wait, listen to this because this is sort of them- their own version of Howell when they're mm-hmm. talking about their their like high school years and growing up with their art, artistic circle. You know, I mean, we're like a lot of people who, you know, we grew up in the same school system as at the same time, so all these generational things affected us in parallel ways. And we had a crew of friends who were all, uh, you know, very colorful, interesting people who also kind of affected, you know, had their effect on us. From a distance, it looks as if we're we're kind of twinsies, you know, like that we have this thing between us that is very specific and between us. But the truth is we really come from a place where there were a lot of kids who had the sort of shared, same shared experience and same shared aesthetic. I heard that and I was like, that's kind of like what Howell is. Mm-hmm. He's like talking about like him and his artsy friends that just like had all these kind of crazy experiences and like a lot of the things in hell are like referencing specific things it's Mm -hmm. referencing like suicides his friends did and drugs and a lot of there's a lot of gay sex uh, in hell which was shocking at the time and the poem got banned and there's a lot you could read about it and about Allen Ginsberg who was like quite a character um, member of NAMBLA (laughs) which he he then regretted I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, Dave is... Uh, I'm speechless. Howell is is basically just this kind of this epic... And it's the idea is that it's like, well, at least part... It's in three parts. Part one, the idea is that it's one sentence. So it's like got this strange rhythm to it as you're reading it, where it's just like keeps going and going and into like all his his life and his friends. And there's all these kind of twisting of imagery and, and words and stuff. Part two, I thought you'd be interested in, Dave. Mm. Part two was inspired by... He had a peyote vision of a hotel that he saw looking like the face of the demon Moloch. Whoa. <laughs> and I was like, that's fucking metal. <laughs> <laughs> so like part two is actually really scary because it's all about that and inspired by that. Where he, he stole that from Metallica. <laughs> and um, and then part three is about the insane asylum that yeah, him and yeah. his friends were in. Like they're all pretty, this is. They had a well-lived life. <laughs> this is quite a group of say. people. So what's going on with him using Howl in the song? The idea, this is my this is my take. The idea is that the narrator, there's two ideas. The narrator in the song, he's um, sort of seeing his own 
uh, movement in yeah. the youth, and let's say it's like the 90s uh, grunge slacker guy, mm-hmm. he's seeing that as kind of like of like as important or equivalent to like the, the 60s, mm-hmm. the Allen Ginsberg kind of movement. So what, that's the one thing going on is that he's kind right. of comparing and he's like, oh, I'm like this. And li- I think in Linnell's mind, it's like, that's ridiculous. But the thing is like every generation sort of thinks the new generation is being like ridiculous. Yeah. And then with hindsight, you maybe change your opinion or you maybe think even more that that's what's going on. Goalposts move. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing that's happening in the song. The other thing, and I didn't realize this or think about this until like today really, is that like, I think the narrator is, is the, uh, the joke is that he's plagiarizing Howell. <laughs> and the idea is that he's saying he's not allowed to have original thought, but he doesn't even consider yeah. that he's, plagiarizing as he's saying it and that he doesn't, which means he doesn't have original thoughts, right? Yeah. Um, it what kinda, a boob. <laughs> exactly. What do they should name that song? What, should have been parentheses. What a boob. Guys, call me. It reminds me of like Shia LaBeouf, right? Because like, do you know what happened with him? <laughs> <laughs> I keep throwing Dave. Uh, <laughs> one yeah. thing at a time. Uh, no. I well, know. I'm throwing a lot at him, to be fair. I, I know he was in that great movie. You guys could all fill in your own jokes. <laughs> okay. Shia LaBeouf, uh, LaBeouf? 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 What's his fucking name? I don't know. It's LaBeouf. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> it's not LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. A very famous thing, infamous thing that happened with him a few years back is he plagiarized Daniel Klaus. He made a short film that was... Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. He made a short film that was word for word, a Daniel Klaus comic, like a kind of rare one that he did for like a magazine or whatever. Hmm. And he was caught. Mm-hmm. He kind of did this whole, like, I'm being oppressed thing, just being <laughs> like, oh, everyone's against me. And then he yeah. started, like, making it a joke. It became this weird, um, desperate backtrack. Like how Tommy Wiseau is saying that the room's a comedy now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a perfect comparison. He's like, no, it was always funny. Yeah. So this song reminds me of Shia LaBeouf because it's sort of the same thing. Okay, where it's we like, got there, everyone. I'm plagiarizing, <laughs> but, like, everyone's against me, and I'm not even allowed to do that. I can't yeah. do anything, dude. Everyone's a victim. Yeah. Everyone's a victim. Um, there's some funny concert banter that shows like the, the Johns kind of making fun of that mindset. I mm. wanted to play this for you, Dave. This is from 1990. So in this clip, there's some issue with like, like they have to close the door and I think the venue's too hot and people are like, right. keep the door open. And that's Flan- Flansburg then jokes about it. We're being censored, man. I can't believe this. I can't believe we can't leave the window wide open and make like an incredible amount of noise in the middle of the night. It's not cool. The club was trying to censor us. This is another clip that reminds me of the the vibe of I Should Be Allowed to Think where they're just kind of making fun of the, the kind of idea of people yelling that they're oppressed or that something's fucked up with the government. So uh, here's a song about a president who lives here like all the presidents do. I don't know why, they all seem to come from here. I think it's because those things are rigged, man. They're rigged. Have you noticed that they're all, they all live in Washington? Why can't we elect a president from somewhere besides Washington, D.C.? God damn it! What is up with that? It's rigged! Check this out, John. They all live in the White House, man. 
What's up with that? They're all from the flag. They're all from the White House. What the the shit is fucked. It's fucked up. How can things get back to normal when all the presidents are living in the White House? So, uh, here's, here's a song about one such dude. So it's funny because it's not like they don't have, um, especially Flansburg, like they'll, they'll have problems with, with politics and stuff. But I just, think yeah. it's, I just think it's funny in case some of our listeners are like, I don't know, bothered by this stuff. I don't know. I guess I don't really care. But um, no, it's just funny to make fun of things. And it's funny to make fun of the kind of, there's a self-righteousness like yeah. you're, it's like what this song's about, which is that you're trying to say it's a government problem, but you're really just talking about yourself or your own, it's, or you want attention sure. <laughs> or you're just, you just like, like to yell about stuff. I don't know. Personal responsibility, people. <laughs> <laughs> accountability also to just go back to like him using poetry as a thing there's an interview i found where someone asked about the like using a line from howell and uh they talked he asked about pencil rain using wallace the wallace stevens line which we talked about yep i don't remember yeah um <laughs> Linnell says, well, the Wallace Stevens poem is something I read as a kid and I really liked it. The Allen Ginsberg line is one of the most famous lines in poetry. So it's not a particularly, in a way, it's a very cheap kind of borrowing. <laughs> so Uh-oh. I think he just saw it as like, people will know what I'm referencing. <laughs> I mean, in his mind, it was like an obvious reference. He underestimates how dumb people are. How dumb I am. <laughs> how dumb um, I am too. <laughs> but I think that's important is that he's not, he wasn't going for an obscure right. reference like they often do. He wanted people to know like... It was still too obscure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I was thinking about like poet, poets because I was reading all about Alan Ginsberg. As you often do. That scene. And it's just like, what do you do all day? You write poems. You write poems. Like it's just a strange. Um, and hopefully you can. Uh, well, you probably you wait tables. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the thing. Because it's just like, well, po- he was very anti-capitalist, but it's like he was successful. So there's like books of his poetry Everyone's that sold. Everyone's anti-capitalist till they get that first check. <laughs> yeah. Allen Ginsberg was a huge, like a huge free speech advocate. That's part of his support of NAMBLA, which, which is like, you know, a little, Hmm. it's something. That's, that's a puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think that's part of the joke of this song too, is like the idea it's all about free speech and someone just saying like yeah. that their speech is being controlled or limited, but then all they're doing is speaking. All they're doing <laughs> is expressing it. Yeah. And also, you know, they're, he's saying I should be allowed to glue my poster, which like you are, Yeah. but here's the thing, Dave, I was not because one time I know I was an intern for Plexifilm who distributed gigantic, the TMBG documentary. So I interned with this company and they told me to put flyers up around the city for the gigantic screen screening. And I was, and a cop stopped me and gave me a fine. And all I could think about was go. this song and how ironic it was. And oh, the man. company did not help me pay that fine uh, for doing Capitalists. what they asked me to do. <laughs> but so I literally like lived this song. I, I guess then you sympathize with the uh, protagonist. Well, I do. I mean, I, it's funny. You you can ask yourself how mean is Linnell being? Is does he kind yeah. of understand? Is there an empathy or is it just cruel mocking? Um, I lean towards cruel mocking, but I also think he gets why people, especially young people, maybe back in the nineties, are are like the way they are. <laughs> you know, the problem is they're gluing the posters instead of taping them. Yeah, you should tape the posters. You know, glue is a lot harder to get off the 
telephone pole. I love the guitar in the beginning. It's Flansburg. He's doing like a, it's a very weird tone. I don't, again, I don't know how he does it, but it's like he has a way of playing where things just sound a little, a little like wonky, Mm -hmm. but also perfect. And I think that goes well with the narration and the song too. There's actually a lot of stuff in the music that goes well with the themes of the song here. Also, there's no bass in the beginning, Dave. That's fucked up. But it's funny, I never I never <laughs> notice this stuff unless you really like pay attention. Notice the song doesn't really start though until the, the bass comes the in. The bass comes in with the chorus. Yeah. And the organ too. The organ, the bass come in My together. My man Tony. And the organ does a cool like like up thing. And it's like really ah, the chorus is so exciting when it comes in. Like even apart from the song themes and stuff. It's just it's just a great chorus. And that great high harmony. Uh yeah. Well, that was terrible. I'll do it again. Uh Dave, we Talked uh, a lot about the arrangement of this song with the guy who plays the second guitar, Jay Sherman Godfrey, again. We sure did. We talked about what he's doing on this song, which I never really knew or understood until now. And uh, let's Secrets listen. revealed. Here's some of our conversation, some more of our conversation with Jay Sherman Godfrey about playing on I Should Be Allowed to Think. The next one on John Henry that you're on is I Should Be Allowed to Think. Right. So you made it onto that one. Are you doing the like arpeggio kind of clean guitar? It's like the four guitar approach where there's like a lead guitar and I'm, I'm playing like lines in there. It's like a high line. Do, diddle, diddle, diddle. I can't, you yeah. know. So on that one, I just made my part up. Oh, OK. Like no one, yeah. Yeah. They were just like, what do you want to mm. do? And mm-hmm. it was definitely sort of thumbs up, thumb down. But, <laughs> so it's just that little repeating. It's like almost like a riff, a high riff. It's kind of like that. Yeah, it's like a high riff that kind of goes through the through the chorus mainly. Yeah, and it kind of interacts with Flanell's organ stuff. Like they're, you're both yeah. kind of in that same space in yeah. a way. And then, yeah, and Flansburg's doing his Flansburg thing, which is these single notes, kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's kind of low and you're kind of high. That, that was really fun. We so I recorded that that part at uh, Skyline, which is on. It's a it was a famous old studio on Thirty Seventh wow. Street. Really fantastic place. Like kind of a leftover from the seventies. Beautiful thing. And and yeah. So I was just totally an overdub. Like you know, come on this day at this time. Like they just had me. I was in the big room by myself, you know, with an amplifier. And I remember Ed Thacker, the engineer, was like, "I was like, well, what do you want me to? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to <laughs> sound like?" And he's like, "Well, you do that, and I'll just record it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. See, what what it makes me wonder though is because it's like Flansburg's the guitar player in the band. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't. Is it that he couldn't do it? He didn't want it. He didn't. It, they wanted more personalities involved. It was funny, you know. It's like we were friends. And, you know, we really didn't have like a very a professional relationship. And I think that they just wanted to have people do something interesting. Yeah. I think mm. that if you look at John Henry, like I said, I think I may have tried to do a solo on Sleeping in the Flowers, right? Yeah. And it was probably fine. But then like, then they were like, well, we'll get Robert Quine to do it. That'll be amazing. Yeah. And it is amazing. It's mind blowing, yeah. right? So a great... <laughs> I think that they were just interested in like putting stuff into the, into the mix. And I also think that they wanted some of the songs to sound like a rock band. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. And so it's really, I think it's hard. It's not that it's easier to sound like a rock band if you don't play both guitar parts. You know, it's like Flans didn't have to do it. He could just get me to do it. And then, you know, and, and for that one, they were just like, here, come up with a part. And I did, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so that was like, I knew that song from rehearsing it a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I sort of just got there that day. I, I, I had done a lot of playing in studios at that point in my playing career. So I totally knew what to do. Totally was comfortable with coming in and just doing an overdub. So I don't know. I mean, I remember at the rehearsals and it, maybe it was even said out loud, you know, this is, this is a rock, you know, this, right. how, what should I play? This is a rock and roll record. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they wanted it to sound like a rock record. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it does. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what an interesting thing about the lyrics and the chorus when he's like, I, uh, I should be allowed to blurt the merest idea if by random whim one occurs to me. So this is and like... What does that sound like to you? This is like sarcasm inside of sarcasm. Because <laughs> here the narrator is being sarcastic. Like, oh yeah, you don't think I could come up with an idea, you dicks. But like Linnell is being... <laughs> the whole thing is sarcastic. Yeah. So it's really like a double... He's really embodying the character. It's just crazy that Linnell uh, predicted Twitter. <laughs> no, that's how I always think of this song. That's I mean, I didn't want to get into it because I, I don't. No one wants to hear me rant about the self no, self importance of Twitter and how toxic it is. But yeah, this song to me is 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 just like that. The only way to win is not to play. Speaking of the song being about Twitter, so this is. I'm going to play a clip to you. That's it might be controversial, but it's from 1994, and okay. it's them promoting John Henry. And I, I think this also might have played into the song, but it's Flansburg talking about the very new altmusic.tmbg newsgroup, which I was a part of and which we've I've quoted and yeah. talked about in the past. And I didn't know what that was. So I, I think <laughs> this kind of connects to the song, too, because this is like Flansburg his opinion on that space. And so maybe these are the first uh, murmurings of that, yeah. everybody having a damn opinion. Everyone having a voice. You know what they say like about opinions, though. <laughs> they're beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like Just bucks. like assholes. Exactly. That's what I was going to ask if you're aware of the news group and, and how it feels to know that there are thousands of people out there every day. Well, it doesn't seem like thousands of people. It seems like there's about two dozen people who are like very actively, you know, talking about things. A lot of people read it, though. Yeah, I guess so. I think I wish there was more real information on it. We're working with a guy at Electra who's like actually putting articles and things we've written for our information club and other things that have like uh, just actual things to think about because a lot of it is is very fan based rather than like it's not it's not like a library or someplace where you actually get information it's sort of more like you know it's just like it just seems like blabbing to me I mean not some of it's you know critical and, and interesting and some some things like open your eyes to things that you actually never think about, you know? And some of it's fair and some of it's not. It's, it's, it can really be like a high school slam book or something at times, you know? There's, there's portions of it that really just seem like kind of pathetic. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just another way to, you know, get feedback about what you're doing. So, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty harsh. Yeah, it still holds true but today. But true. Um, yeah. Uh, I try not to take that personally because I was one of those people. Yeah. Maybe not in 94. No, not in 94. So he wouldn't have seen my post back then. He would have... I started posting around 96, I think. Well, it is tough to discern what is useful information, what isn't. We still have that problem today with... It's only gotten... That's right. 
more widespread and a larger scale? Well, it's interesting because he says, uh, I wish there was actual information on it. And that's why I think he really loves TMBW so much. Right. Because, and he like endorses it all the time because it, it, it has actual information and less of the just like random the noise. <laughs> yeah, less of the noise. I saw the worst bands of my generation applied by magic marker to drywall. I should be allowed to shoot my mouth off. I should have a calling show. Let's talk a bit about the second verse specifically, the lyrics. I saw the worst bands of my generation. Whoa, whoa. Applied by magic marker to drywall. See, I don't, yeah, I don't think, like, for all we know, he did have something in mind, but, and, and maybe it's critical of the grunge era, which yeah. I think they weren't that into, but yeah, I think it's just this, this narrator is sort of like how I was. I just hated all the bands. I, I hated music at the time. You didn't like Nirvana? I did. I did, but it still wasn't really go. my thing. Uh, you know, Not I don't so know. so cynical anymore. It's just you? that kind of thing. And like Soundgarden. Soundgarden's good. I did. I did. I, actually, I'm very nostalgic for all, all those things. But um, no, what I'm thinking of is more when like more in the Creed. later 90s. Yeah, when like Creed, Britney Spears, yeah. all that stuff started in like 97, 98. And then I was like that in high school yeah. when all that stuff was coming out. And I think Linnell is tapping into that feeling that, that mindset, yeah. every kid has in his generation. He's like, oh, everything sucks now. You know what I mean? <laughs> And also sometimes when something is popular, just by virtue of being popular, you yes, don't like it. For sure. Um, which I think was like Kurt Cobain's like problems, like his problems he had with yeah, his yeah, success exactly. is just like, am I that thing? What do you rebel against everyone... when you are? <laughs> yeah. What, what happens when you are the machine exactly. to rage against? <laughs> yep. This line's interesting. I should have a call-in show. I think that's like a big clue that this guy maybe don't take him so seriously because <laughs> a call-in show is just kind of a silly yeah. format. <laughs> it's just like not a we very do deep. That. Yeah, we should do a call-in show. We should version. do a live one where people, I don't know how we do that. That would be great. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. Never mind. We're not doing it. Next. <laughs> Let's talk about the bridge. What I love about it, uh, Flansburg singing. He kind of takes the lead in a way. Mm -hmm. And this is what I think is really ironic that he's not allowed to come up with a single original thought. And he just, <laughs> he keeps plagiarizing Hal every verse <laughs> over and over. It's very funny to me. I'm not allowed. See, it's funny because Flansburg sings this part. And to me, this is a very Flansburg line. I was going to say. Yeah. I'm not allowed to meet the criminal government agent who oppresses me. I mean, that's like the shadow government right. kind of vibe too. Do you think that was his pitch? Maybe, maybe. Mm. I mean, that would really surprise me, but it's so Flansburg. Yeah. Especially to, to hit. To Flansburg. And yeah, then I should be allowed to share my feelings. I should be allowed to feel. I mean, th this is the part where I'm... It's I don't know about that. <laughs> it's both ultra ridiculous, but it, it kind of makes me sad. I mean, I, that's why I think the empathy comes in. Good lyrics. Yeah, and it, it does capture that kind of youthful activism, yeah. uh, again, that we see a lot of like today where people just think every waking moment they're being like oppressed by something. And sometimes there are oppressive things, but I'm not saying there's nothing, but you know what I mean? There's definitely like a melodramatic vibe uh, these days where everything is life or death. Sure. Everything's black or white. Everything's good or evil. Yeah, that's kinda, how I think of everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which one am I? <laughs> Black or white? Good or, yeah, good or evil. <laughs> I think you're good. Good. Yes, I am. I mean, it's just crazy the journey the song goes on in your life where 
it just changes the meaning and stuff. And it kind of once you know what he's doing in this song, you could really really makes you like look at all the other songs differently. <laughs> You're just like, oh, how many times is Linnell like totally fucking with with me? I mean, after the snail shell discussion, exactly. I, I really am thinking about it now. Something that I think is musically fascinating about this third verse is that the arrangement, Flansburg starts doing the same guitar notes as in the chorus. So in the chorus, and we talked about this with Jay, just to remind you, but he's going like, and then he does that again for this verse, but it still works musically. But to me, that like has this thematic thing of like, this guy is in this repetitive kind of like unoriginal <laughs> cycle where he can't think of an original idea. So mm. he's like, so it's like Flansburg is just like, and Jay Sherman is doing the same thing too. He's just like, oh, so the music from the chorus will just now be laid onto the music of the verse. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll play it for yeah, you. Yeah, let's so hear you, it. You know what I mean? It's a like, kind of a complicated idea. I was the worst hope of my generation Destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical I should be allowed to share my I should be allowed to feel. It's like, like he does that again. Like it's, it's, I never noticed that about the arrangement before. It's like, oh, it's the chorus. Right. But it's the third verse. It's really interesting. And I really think it matches the, like he just, he's unoriginal. He can't think of where to go next. Dave, what do you think about how the song ends? I think it's a, a unique thing for them. Yeah. It's a fantastic ending to a song. Mm-hmm. It is a unique thing for them. They it don't kinda, usually do stuff like that. It kind of becomes very pretty. Yeah, usually their songs just like end. Right. And I think what we talked about with Sleeping in the Flowers where they're like, oh, we learned how to like write longer songs that mm. were still interesting. Yeah, it has this sort of, uh, again, another dreamy kind of quality. Uh, yeah. I made a hand motion yeah. that suggested dreaminess. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot going on in, oh, in this hypnotized. final verse. Yeah, it's very hypnotic. First of all, I think it's like really funny and brilliant like musically what it's saying about the narrator. Cause to me, it's very resigned sounding. Mm -hmm. Like he's just kind of giving up because he's just like nothing I could do. Like, you know, it has that feel yeah. of just like, I'm not allowed. Like he's just kind of repeating it over and over to himself. It's kind of just like, you're like watching TV on the couch. I mean, like, oh, nothing I can do about this. I guess I'm yeah. just fucked. You know what I mean? It, it does give off the very like talking to yourself. Yes. Uh, yeah. Kind of crazy guy vibe. <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking. Um, or lazy guy. Yeah. And this ties into the resigned feel of the coda. It ties into what leads into it, which is him saying, but sadly, this can never be, yeah. which is like a very funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's just so like self-pitying. It's hilarious. The best kind of pitying. So like there's the echo. Mm -hmm. It's like, I am not, a, I am not. A, and to me, that's like kind of just feels to me like an echo chamber. Like he's just kind of, he's yeah. not going outside of his own thing. He's only just obsessed with his own oppression and yeah. his own like view of things, but he's not really taking the steps. I mean, I know I sound very judgmental. So deep. Of this guy, he's not really like taking the <laughs> steps to, to like explore or like Maybe resolve he anything. He's just saying, I can't do this. And that's going to be his main, like, Maybe he's done the work. That's going to be like the engine that drives him. This ending gets kind of like psychedelic. There's the tambourine yeah. that phases out. Like it goes like, ch -ch 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 -ch. I mean, I said that as a joke, but there's still maybe the remnants of the 60s uh, yeah, the, Brit pop vibe. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm, that's why I was saying before, like all the songs on this album, like kind of speak to each other. They're all in a dialogue yeah. with each other, which is like, again, I know they say they don't intend that. 
but it always seems to, it often seems to happen with all their, some of their best albums. I also think it's interesting that as the, the music fades out faster than the vocal, because so as it's, mm. as it's ending, the vocal is kind of all that's left while everything else is getting very, very quiet. Yeah. And it's like, it kind of gives the idea of an inner voice. Like it's just, he's just, he's mm. never going to stop thinking. <laughs> he's never going to be out of this like spiral of just like- Self-indulgence. Self-indulgence, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Of just like, uh, this is my thing. It's like, I'm going to make this my brand is that I'm oppressed and he's I can't in a loop. think. Yeah. What do you do? You're in a and loop. And just on a, on a other- Loop-de-loop. Loop. Also, I was going to say the vocal staying loud, it's like ironic because he's saying he's not allowed to say things, yeah. but the vocal is louder than everything. <laughs> um, yeah, you were saying there's all these great bass fills. And yeah. I love when a song kind I of- I said that. Is like, <laughs> you did say that off, off, sort of off mic. But um, I love when a song is like, has these open sections where people could just like try different things out, yeah. you know? Different, uh, what is it? There's a musical term for that where you end each measure a different way. Mm, I don't know what that is. Me neither. This is a really informative podcast. Yep. <laughs> Maybe just, variation of a motif. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. that sounded all right. Correct. All right. I just on a musical level, I love this part of the song. I think it's one of my favorite things they've done in a song. I just like I I wrote in my notes. I could listen to this for like ten minutes. Like I honestly could just like listen to yeah. this vibe. So here's the thing, um, everyone, I'm telling you right now, you're allowed to think. Yeah. We can all think whatever we want. Um, 1984, George Orwell. Just don't tell us. <laughs> there's a thing in that book called Thought Crime, Yeah. which is the whole idea of that is that it, things get so bad that even your very thoughts yeah. are being kind of monitored. Oh, well, that's coming. <laughs> Well, for yeah, sure. but like the thing is, because the but thing for now. <laughs> we do have thoughts that are sometimes wrong or vile or just stupid. <laughs> um, and Mostly that's stupid. The human brain, we don't even understand yeah. how it works. Or well, we don't have free will, Jordan. So or consciousness. Yeah, it's not so, our fault. Not to get too far afield, but uh, we're we are allowed to think. I think the joke of the song is that that's an obvious. That's like a self-evident thing. Yeah. But so yeah. think away, folks. And we're allowed to feel. Feeling is even beyond thinking. It's even more instinctual. So saying I'm not allowed to feel, I think to Linnell, that is the climax of the song because it's even more absurd. Yeah. But at the same time, and this goes with like, uh, why must I be sad? And the other, <laughs> these other like youthful narrators, sometimes you do feel that way. Uh, is that you're just like not allowed to feel because it's wrong to feel a certain way. You know what I mean? So like, darn frustrating. Like, oh, I can't, can't be sad because I'm not allowed to be sad. I have to be like yeah. happy all the time or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you're a man. That's right. Not allowed to feel and be sad. That is kind of what I mean. Yeah. I guess to end the point about this song. Please. <laughs> I, it's sarcastic. It's mocking. But I also think I can empathize that someone would tap into it in a sincere way and be like, I do kind of feel like this sometimes. Yeah. So well, it's I, that, a very that's what I mean. thing where you're just kind of like, yeah. uh, you don't know which way your, your brain's going sometimes. 
Yeah, and you feel like you're finding your way. There's a lot of shame. There's like, oh, I'm, yeah. I shouldn't have thought this. I shouldn't have felt this. I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. Here's another song about a guy who thinks he's hot shit. <laughs> That's exactly. Well, we're in a trilogy here. Yeah. So, extra savoir faire. kind of a song you could just uh stroll down the street to <laughs> on like a nice summer's day it's a breeze look at the world around you uh extra savoir fair i think it's savoir Sa yeah i was like i'm not gonna say this right extra savior i actually think this is a favorite on the album for me maybe that's a weird thing to say it's not buddy because it's a favorite for me too <laughs> oh my god yeah it's kind of like with dirt bike and yeah. flansburg's really been great like it's kind of like the usual thing, I guess, but Linnell does these like great rock song, pop songs, but Flansburg gives, he really gives They Might Be Giants albums their like journey, I think. Yeah. Whereas like, I feel like a, like Linnell's would just be like, oh, this is like one of the greatest pop albums ever. Mm. But Flansburg takes you on like a, he gives you the different movies in your head, the different cinema yeah. experience, genres and stuff. I was going to say, this is a little bit of a callback to a genre study mm -hmm. from previous albums, right? Fair. I'm thinking. Uh, well, I have a specific. I have a weird. It's kind of like a '50s old timey kind of soundtrack. Yeah. A little more uh, Sinatra y maybe. One of my notes is that I I, I thought he was kind of singing like Roy Orbison a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of crooning thing, especially yeah, well, the yeah crooner. Yes. Like I've never thought of the song as Roy Orbison like before, but listening yeah. today, I was like, oh yeah, he's he's definitely singing in a, a character voice. Right. Speaking of that, though, he actually said, I have a quote here from Flansburg from an interview. I'll where bet you do. They asked him, and this is something we've talked about so much, and especially in the early episodes of yeah. this show, which were like so many years ago. Don't even look, uh, don't even we look were that so up. So young, it's disturbing. But um, he, were we ever that young? He goes. On our first record, there were a lot more odd voices singing songs. <laughs> they are really coming from a more extreme place. And as time has gone on, I think we've kind of cooled that out a little bit. It's always been there. It's on Extra Savoir Faire on our current record. Oh, boy. It's not a personal song in any way. It's a complete character song. So he sort of sees this as yeah. like a throwback to when they would do a voice. So but, I'm kind of right. But he's, he is kind of, I mean, he's singing it. It's a subtle voice. It yeah. still sounds like Flansburg. But there's a like there's a bravado to it, <laughs> and yes, like a, and it fits the character. Yes. Do you know what this song's about? Because there's actually a literal thing he said it's about. I don't know if you what did the research. Jordan, do I look like I did the research? <laughs> no. No. But I assume it's just about a very arrogant cocksure man. So that's what I always thought too. And it's yeah. not that it's not that, but there's actually a specific thing. And okay. I'll just, rather than tell you, I'll just play you one of the many... I'll dance you. One of the many mm. clips I have. Here's a song that I wrote at the gym looking at guys on steroids. <laughs> what do you think of that? I think it yeah, fits. See, this to me is like the last thing I would have thought of. Because I've always saw the character in my mind of the song as not being a big beefed up steroid mm -hmm. guy, but yeah. as being kind of like an artsy, pretentious guy. Right. 
kind of maybe like more like them <laughs> or yeah, like me. That's how I saw it too. Yeah. For some reason, I imagine a feather in his hat. Exactly. I kind of saw more like a dandy. A dandy. Exactly. <laughs> right? There's so much of him talking about the steroids thing. I actually just hmm. just to lend more weight. I want to. There's a few variations to how he says this that I think are interesting. Here's another true song about the real positive effects of steroids that the media is suppressing. Why do you hear that Mori Povich guy say that's just, that's just bullshit? Stuff is excellent. Check it out. That's also kind of like I should be allowed to think that kind right. of joke. The media is suppressing it, man. Here's another that he phrases it in a certain way that I think is quite judgmental. Here's a song about, about supernatural freaks. And by supernatural freaks, of course, we're referring to... Uh, no, no. Pretty much the opposite of Tiny Tim. We're talking about guys on steroids. That's right. Guys on steroids. Flansburg's been very uh, direct about what this song is about. Yeah. I never knew that until researching for this show and logging all these shows and uh, concerts and stuff. So I'm, I was kind of shocked. Yeah. Part of me almost wishes I didn't know that because I kind of like it being more open-ended of a right. character and imagining the narrator as this giant gym, gym guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a very different... <laughs> I mean, I'm really experiencing the song in a new way. Well, I guess that's the joke is like a big meathead guy wouldn't know Savoir Fair. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, there's definitely like a, that's a, funny. a joke there. <laughs> it is funny. It's a funny song. I think it's one of the more comedic songs that yeah. on the, uh, in, that, uh, that they've ever done, really. It does make more sense now that all guys look like elves. Yeah, well, we can talk about oh, that. Shit. The first line, when I walk down the street, all guys look like elves. Because they're all smaller. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and them. Um, I'm a fool. There's actually like a lot of stuff to say about why he wrote this and the whole thing. So, okay. The thing I wanted to th explore with, with this for a bit was just that the, the, the sort of jocks versus nerds yeah. thing behind the song that I think is it's Flansburg giving his little revenge yeah. on the, the, the jerks and the, the big guys. I mean, maybe these people at his gym were nice and he's just, I was going to say, you know, sometimes you talk to those bullies and all they needed was a friend. That's right. That's right. Um, Sometimes they are bullied. They might be giants, have like a long history of being called nerds and geeks, <laughs> and I, th I know they hate it. Do you identify as geeks? Um, you know, we grew up in a very different era than now. I think, you know, uh, in the 70s, uh, you know, being an outsider had a very different kind of social status that I think you really wanted to transcend. And so those are our teen years. Um, but I think, you know, we're you know, definitely interested in culture and we're interested in uh, sort of pursuing ideas to sort of the, their extremes. Right. And I think that's all part of, that is part of, I mean, the definition of, of like geeking out is something very familiar to us, you know, becoming obsessed with an idea and sort of taking it as far as you can and sort of just being self-defined. I mean, th those are all like wonderful Impulses. Right, but the point is we're still shell-shocked from being punched in the face for being geeks at an yeah. early age. So we, we're, we're not, you know, we're still a little afraid of that label. So yeah, all, all this is like into the song. Here's a thing of Flansburg talking about his high school years and the, the bullies and stuff. And I'm getting worried. I know. They're, well, they're talking about, well, they're not talking about you, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> were you a bully, Dave? No, nah, I just, I kind of just did my own thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was neither or either. Like, no one really bullied me, yeah. but 
I also wasn't anything. I don't know. I was just like ignored. <laughs> I was just invisible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I could draw, you know, that was kind of my secret weapon. Me too. Yeah, I would draw yeah. The Simpsons and Ren and Stimpy and stuff for people. And they'd be like, oh, shit, look at this guy. You can draw right. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. But I, I also, you know, I got in trouble a lot. And I, mm -hmm. I acted out a lot in class. So really? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that makes me, I don't know what the fuck I was. Young Dave. Yeah. Coming this fall. For in my high school, there was, at, there would be, uh, there were a lot of bands, and most of them. I remember going to high school dances, and bands would play "White Room" by Cream and "Love Her Madly" by Doors. Right, and, and that made me. I don't want to no. talk about the doors. And those, just because of the people and the, it, it made me so know that that's not where I was headed in right. any direction, and not you know I don't know. No Although way. it's funny you say, you cite those things, and now I think, well, I sort of feel like now that that's way in the past, there's something kind of. I, I smile when I hear White Room now, you know, like the, the, the lyrics. I love Jack Bruce's voice, you know, like. It's not, I'm not saying it's, it's terrible. Yeah, I, it yeah. Just at the time, it was at so not At the time, it was new. oppressive. <laughs> yeah. It was killing us. Right, it was very much in the way. I mean, I, I, feel, yeah. I feel that way about, you know, it wasn't until kind of the smoke cleared and all the Led Zeppelin fans stopped punching me in the face <laughs> that, that um, I realized how good a band Led Zeppelin was. Uh, yeah. right. But I feel like, you know, the, the tattoo on the knuckles of the guy punching me in the face <laughs> said <laughs> Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, hard, it's hard to forgive <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, know, you, just, you kind of conflate the two. You know, it's like Led Zeppelin equals yeah, I gave bullying. A more Flansburg yeah. being being bullied, yeah, yeah. punched in the face, poor Flansburg. But so I think a lot of the song is a revenge in a way. He's he's he has his out yeah. he has his outlet to make fun of a kind of person he doesn't like or he looks down on, um, which is ironic because that's what he's criticizing the narrator for doing, right? Looking down on people, right? Maybe there's some self reflective, uh, self deprecating joke there. Yeah, kind of folding in on itself. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're, the, I mean, songwriting tends to do that because songs are these, such a, they can be so abstract and open for that kind of thing. Yeah. I remember back before people knew what the song was about, like, I remember someone had an interpretation like, oh, this is like, th they might be giants that they're saying like, oh, other bands could try to copy them, but yeah. there's only one, they might be giants and they'll fail if they try, you know, but I don't think they would ever write a song like that, right. really. I also think it's, a little bit self-effacing about um, and self-referential about the sort of art performance scene mm -hmm. that they come from, right? I yeah, mean, it might be when you because the phrase savoir faire, you know, it sounds very pretentious. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it sounds like you're bigger than you really are. I, yeah. I think it's all those things and more, Jordan. Yeah, I think there's he's making fun of a like a meathead, but I also yeah. think there's some self-parody in the way he's making fun of the, the yeah. meathead. Yeah, he's, I also think like this kind of picks up with the NyQuil thing. Cause like, so Flansburg is like interested in like the weird effects of NyQuil. <laughs> here's like, here's this clip where he's just like talking about steroids, <laughs> sort of. Hmm. Hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not recommending steroids, but I'm just telling you they work. I was at this uh, gym and I was talking to this guy. And he taught me how to play this song. The, the next line that is funny to me is, it's hard to understand me from the language I use. Mm -hmm. So this has to me as a double meaning. I think it's a play on the title because it's in French. Yeah. But I also think what I imagine Flansburg is maybe hinting at here is the kind of like grunting, like dumb <laughs> meathead guy. So honestly, it's, it is a geeky song yeah. from a total like put upon, you know, bullied like artsy intellectual. Yeah. I mean, I find the song very funny in a lot of ways in that way, you know. 
It's so funny. I always thought of that line as him saying, like, he speaks to... to He's too smart. Yeah, too erudite and, and too uh, fancy pants. What's interesting about this, the song being about that and the lyric, the lyrics don't say any of that yeah. specifically. So I think at the end of the day, Flansburg probably does want you to imagine your own narrator. Hmm. And I find it interesting that he was so direct in telling audiences what that it is about a guy on steroids. Yeah. But then this brings into these deeper questions of, is the artist saying a song is about this mean it is about it? Because since it's not in the lyrics, can it technically be about whatever you're thinking, you're right. imagining? You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we talked about this before with like, yeah. um, I forget the movie, but we had one interpretation of the movie and the, I think it was Mother. Mother, yeah, I know. And the director yeah. said it was about something totally different. Yeah, and which, like, an, what? which, which no, it's not. frustrated <laughs> me. But he's the director, so. That's the, the thing. And especially Can't when really something's... Especially when something's ambiguous, but yeah, I think I think one maybe a fair way to approach this is like Flans were saying this song was inspired by so and so, but it's not about so and so, right? I mean, I know he says it's about guys and stories, but that 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 would be like a compromise, I think. Right, it's being like a song could be like I have songs that are inspired by very specific things. But if, if if I don't say in the lyrics anyone's name or address, mm-hmm. then it's like, yeah, then it's about the person you're th- the listener's thinking of, right. or it's about whatever, you know what I mean? And and I've always like had a very different uh image in my head of of yeah. this guy walking around on the street. I mean, I always imagine, you know, it's like in the Simpsons when Homer like does this strut or whatever. Or yeah, wait, yeah. or maybe it's the critic. Which one am I thinking of? Maybe both did that. I joke. think they both strut. There's like a part where a character struts because he feels really confident. <laughs> I always <laughs> imagine that for this yeah. this song, you know. It's hard to understand me from the language I use. There's no word in English for my Musically, we've got to just talk about that because that's what makes this song so special, I think. Yeah. Just a bit about the arrangement. Flansburg's on an acoustic guitar on the left. You can, I never noticed this until now. There's a ukulele on the right played, yeah. played by Tony Maimomi. I didn't know that either. Which is crazy. And there's no I looked bass. looked up the credits. So you have nothing to say about this song because there's no bass. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Shit out of luck. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a special treat tonight. Mr. Tony Maimomi is uh, not only going to play the bass the four-string bass for you tonight, but he's going to uh, pull out his special customized four-string ukulele. Perhaps one of the most uh, volatile instruments in the rock lexicon. Yeah, the ukulele gives it this kind of fancy-free, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, light feel, which is perfect. There's no bass in the song, which I never knew. It also makes it feel very open. Yeah. Um, Linnell's playing a bass clarinet, but that's not super bassy, really. Yeah, yeah. I think the airiness of the song reflects the lyrics, too, almost like the hot air, ah. know, like the, the space in between everything. Like oh, It's very sure. open and, I don't know, open stance walking down the street. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean he's light. He's lighter than air. He's, exactly. he's walking on sunshine. <laughs> That'd exactly. be another good one. I made it work. Yeah, it's it's got it's like something. It's just a style that I don't even, like. What do you call the style? Is it jazzy? Like it's know. very. I don't know. It's very casual. Casual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Casual well, dress. <laughs> to me, that's why it's a favorite on the album because it's just I yeah. like songs that make me feel a certain like a specific way that it's I'm fun. like, oh, I don't usually get this out of the music I listen to. It's the musical equivalent of uh, loosening your collar and tie. <laughs> yeah. What's a man like? And those are brushes too, right? Yeah, the drums and the acoustic guitar are almost in the same space yeah. acoustically, where like the strums of the guitar and the brushes, like they're blended so they're in the same like area in the mix. In terms of the uh, the uke, it's interesting that Flansburg isn't playing it. He said he plays uke a tiny bit. I put together extra savoir faire on Robin's uke, playing it upside down. So that's really interesting. And that it's interesting that that wouldn't make it into the recording, as I bet an upside down ukulele would sound very unique because it'd be yeah. the chord shapings would be weird. I guess he did that because he's lefty, right? Yeah, 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 that must be it. So what Jimi Hendrix did played an upside so down. So he figured out these these yeah, interesting yeah. chords. I mean, it's a complex song. The chord progression is really interesting. Mm -hmm. It like goes to majors and minors and, you know, it, it and the dit, and dit, everything dit, in between. Dit, 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 dit. Like that's not that's not a part of the verse or the chorus. It's like its own little chord progression. Right. That's like separate from everything. It's funny where I mentioned Matt's thing cuz this song like I remember Matt saying how much yeah. he loved this song. This song to me is his <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like a Matt character almost. Yes, the pompacity would appeal to him. Exactly, yeah. yeah, the arrogance. I mean, there's something very funny about like an arrogant, uh, dumb person yeah. <laughs> or like uh, someone who's oblivious, but right. but arrogant at the same time. It's like what, uh, what does Conan say? There's nothing funnier than like a confident guy getting hurt. Yeah, something like that, <laughs> yeah. I guess that doesn't apply. Conan's had a lot of good little nuggets <laughs> about comedy, actually. Let's talk about the chorus. It's like another great, like, soaring melody from Flansburg. I actually am very impressed by his vocal abilities. Here. Yeah, he's this, got a good range. This stuff is hard to do, and yeah. the falsetto is really hard. to. I think it's hard to pull off yeah. and not, I don't know, sound. You could look like a damn fool. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what How Can I Sing Like a Girl is about. But we'll, we'll get to that in the future. Sure. But what is left for me to prove, dear, is so <laughs> funny, because he's like, it's kind of like someone being like, I don't need yeah. to explain to you what, how great I am. Like, I guess the uh, it's self-evident. The bodybuilder and the performance artist have the same attitude. I I think that's what's underneath this, and I don't even know if he realizes that. But All I, they need to do is hug it out. Well, see, the thing about the like writing a song that seems mean, like I've this is something I do a lot in my songwriting, is that it's not that I'm just writing a mean song about someone. It's that part of the joke is that I'm writing a mean song about someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like part of the point of it is like, aren't I ridiculous doing this? Like that's, that's petty. Yeah. Like the petty pettiness to me is very funny. Yeah. And I think that might be what's happening here, which is that it's mm. funny that he he's even doing it in the first place. You know? Yeah. I know just what to do when the ladies come around. You can try to copy me, but you'll. 
Now you might think you're different, but time will prove me. We'll talk about the. There's not a lot of verses. It's kind of yeah, a, no, it's, it's kind of a succinct song. Mm-hmm. But um, but he says what's left for me to prove. Why Nothing. why go on and on about it? Yeah. But I love I love all these lyrics. I know just what to do when the ladies come around. Yeah, that seems to line up with the muscle man thing. <laughs> yeah. And also Flansburg, he has a lot of lyrics about ladies. <laughs> he likes that word. You so, old fashioned. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um ladies. <laughs> exactly. Gentlemen. <laughs> There's something that I'm not sure about with with the next lyrics, which is so I'll straighten you out. You might think you're different, but time will prove me right. When you wake up from your dream, I'll be gone. So is the waking up from your dream, is he talking to the other guys who are jealous of him? Or is it like a one night stand thing where he's saying to the ladies, hmm. like, you know, I'm just going to sleep around and I'll be gone. Like, yeah. it's the cliche of like a, of an asshole guy that apply. he leaves in the morning. Wow. He's gone in the, ne- the next day, you know? Yeah. I, well, I always took it as uh, people that witness this guy are in so in awe and then that he's they're out. kind of like in a stupor. You yes. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of start daydreaming and then like, wow, like, look at this guy. And then it's like, where did he yeah. go? He's gone. Wow. I, I wonder if we'll like, ever see that yeah, mystery man exactly. again. Like yeah. Batman. I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's kind of how I always saw it too. But it hit me with like, it's in the same verse yeah. as the ladies thing. It, it kind of gives me the feeling of like a one night yeah. stand. There's just like, I or don't, the ladies are under his spell, you know, hypnotist the ladies kind of. Yeah. Oh, that's a good whatever, reference point. You know? Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Hypnotist of ladies. And this is Flansburg's like weird kind of complaining revenge against these mm-hmm. guys who have it all or whatever, but they're not yeah. really happy. They're all miserable inside. Right. Yeah. Well, no, no <laughs> one's happy listening really closely to that vocal of him. Like he's doing little vibratos, mm-hmm. you know, Come around, yeah. you can try. Just put a little extra emphasis. That's what to me is like Roy Orbison yeah. in it. I, I don't know if that's the idea, but put a little more stank on it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. I love. It's a great song. Great arrangement. The horn chart or whatever. Yeah. I don't know who who did that. The last thing I I think is interesting musically about this song. Uh, it ends on an A major chord. Whereas all the other choruses mm-hmm. end on an A minor. That's why the end sounds kind of different. You know what I mean? Oh, you don't dun, say. Dun, dun, you know, yeah. it's like a, it's like a cool trick. I actually think I've done that in a song or two without realizing I'll bet. it. It feels a little unresolved it, or it feels like there's just like, he's really stomping the point home. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's cool. It's it. I think this is one of Flansburg's best songs. It's a great song. I understand why it's like not played live or whatever, yeah. like almost all John Henry songs, but there was this brief time when they played it a lot and I think they they liked it a lot. And it's, I don't know, it's it's like a, it's a big highlight for me. Yeah. It just shows how underrated as a songwriter because- Not he, to me. In my mind, like Linnell wouldn't have made this, you know, like hmm. to me, this is just one of those pure, like interesting yeah. Flansburg experiments. It's great. Bring it back. Bring it back to the show. When are they going to do like a John Henry show? You know what I mean? They've done it for so many other albums. Do a John Henry show. I would be like Start to freaking finish. the fuck out. That may be that. one of the yeah the last things I have to see. That yeah. sounded ominous. <laughs> <laughs> Your bucket list. Yeah, I mean one of the only things we really haven't experienced you ate live. The poison fish. Yeah. What is left for me to I like how Whoa. that song ends. Yeah. A long note and then just like a boom. What's next? What's next? Oh my God. This is a big, this is another big one. 
Um, no offense to Flansburg. I feel like the Linnell <laughs> songs here are the, the big discussions. They're just so dense. Um, though we've got some dense Flansies coming up. Sure. <laughs> this next song we're going to talk about is Why Must I Be Sad? I ask that every day of my life. must I be sad? <laughs> um, that is a, that, that lyric is like a, that title is like a trap for the teenage TMBG fans. <laughs> Same with, I should be allowed to think, right. um, which is very a similar kind yeah. of song. Basically you're, I'm 14. I'm listening to John Henry or I first right. buy it. I'm listening to this song and I'm like, I am sad. Wow. <laughs> and then it's brilliant. You learn later that Linnell is, I, I, well, this is a discussion I wanted to have with you. It's, this is a discussion. We're like, doing it right now. How, how sincere or is there cruelty in Linnell's mocking of this kid or is it a, is it a sincere thing? I've got some right. in, uh, interview things here to, to, for context. And I think we can kind of piece, I have some weird theories maybe about what's going on here. But, well, originally I had no idea this was about Alice Cooper. Yeah, neither did which I. I think is the big discussion here. Okay, here's a song uh, about uh, Alice Cooper, our friend. So at the time, I just thought it was Linnell saying he's sad. <laughs> I thought it was Linnell saying he loves the dead. Right. That no more Mr. Nice Guy. I thought the part later in the song was uh, not unlike TMBG, like a bunch of strange imagery, dream yes, imagery, exactly. strange ideas. Flansburg was singing. And if you could even make it out, you know. I mean, it is in the lyrics, but I remember, I don't remember reading the lyrics back then. Uh, but yeah, like. And I got into the album a little bit later than you, but I still didn't really know who Alice Cooper was. I mean, I knew who he was. I didn't know anything specifically about him or his music. I still don't know anything about him. He, he's my <laughs> my brother from another mother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he made the word Cooper cool, yeah. the name Cooper cool. Yeah, I get it. Cooper cool. Cooper. Uh, that should be our band name. Cooper Cool. <laughs> Cooper Cool. I have a, I have a feeling Alice isn't his real first name. <laughs> no. Oh, you know, I should have this at the ready, actually. I probably knew School's Out, but it was like kind of buried, you know, in the references. I might have even known Mr. Nice Guy, but even still, if he's referencing Alice Cooper a little bit, he could still feel sad himself. Oh, so there's, this I didn't is really such a know dense discussion. Yeah. it was from that point of view. I quickly learned, though, because I was a fool. Yeah, I learned pretty quickly, too, because it was in um, on TMBG.com Q&A. They directly said, I'll read you what Linnell said. He goes, Why Must I Be Sad is sung from the perspective of a kid who right. hears all of his unspoken sadness given voice in the music of Alice Cooper. Alice says everything the kid has been wishing he could say about his alienated, right. frustrated teenage world. It's another one of our speculative, non-autobiographical songs, which uses the word I a lot. <laughs> so that's from TMG.com. And I think that's the first thing I read yeah. where I was like, oh, it's about Alice Cooper. Um, for, so first of all, Alice Cooper is real name. <laughs> Are you ready? 
<laughs> well, I just glanced. <laughs> Dorky Schneeberg. No, <laughs> that's always what they're like. Um, no, it's um, Vincent Damon Fernier, which is kind of a cool That's a great name. name. Yeah, Vince, well, oh, Vincent. Vincent is a badass. I love that name. Oh, maybe, like, maybe my son, Vincent Fox. Vincent. That's oh, not that's bad. Good, yeah. Vincent Van Gogh. Well, that's Vincent not Price. that's not good for him. Vincent Price. Vincent. Uh, I can name him Peter <laughs> Cushing Fox. <laughs> so yeah, I, I spent the past. You know, we we had to take a long break because we were in Seattle and I got COVID and all this stuff. But during this whole time, I've been listening to Alice Cooper albums. Yeah, I've been. I watched interviews. I watched a concert. I'll say this: I've always liked his vibe. Yeah. Don't know much about his music. I know a little bit more than we're, I did. We're, by the end of this, you're going to be... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another reason I was like, I'll get an earful soon enough. That's right. But in interviews or whatever, as a pop culture icon, he always seemed pretty cool, like a nice guy, creative. Yeah. Yeah. The interviews, he seems like yeah. very, very like... Kind of mild-mannered. Smart and down right, to earth yeah, yeah. and like kind of like kind of humble and, and yeah. but also like... He's funny and, and interesting. Um, yeah. There's a few different contexts of where we can figure out what TMBG and especially Flansburg, even though he didn't write the song, what he he seems to mention Alice Cooper a lot mm -hmm. in various things. So I wanted to go through some of that because I actually think it. I have a weird idea about this song. Here's Flansburg talking about it. About uh, he mentions Alice Cooper, how he perceives Alice Cooper in a. The context is he's talking about like the music scene today and the way different bands make it big and stuff. I mean, there is a tremendous advantage with things like Kickstarter existing for bands that have a distinct point of view. But I think the thing that's unfortunate about it is that a lot of those best bands don't really ever get a platform to speak to a wider audience. And that's, that. I think the culture, the bands might be better for it, but I think the culture is worse for it. That like, you know, somebody, somebody with an extreme point of view is actually not pushed on the general public. And so it, there's, you know, there's something great about the public being tested in that way. Like if somebody actually has a curatorial power over kind of a general audience, it's nice when the Alice Cooper comes along or the Marilyn Manson comes along and goes like, deal with this. And I think that unfortunately, we live in this sort of post insane clown posse world where it's like all those people are just, who are, pre, who are predisposed to like that kind of music are just sitting in their mom's basement going, kill, kill. And then nobody else is, hear, nobody else is hearing about it. You know, it doesn't get it. You got to open those windows sometimes. Right. I, We're just living in this post insane clown posse world. Yeah. I love when Linnell, you hear Linnell laughing at what yeah. Flansburg is saying. It's cute. Um, yeah, so I think that's interesting. Flansburg um, respects the idea of these extreme yeah. pop kind of icons, like, you know, everyone having to confront it. Uh, speaking of Marilyn Manson, just because I found this, um, I, I did find a quote from Alice Cooper about Marilyn Manson. He says, the difference between him and guys like Marilyn Manson is he leaves the crowd in a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> His shows are meant to be fun, not, right. de not depressing. Yeah. So I think Alice Cooper yeah. sees himself as, as more lighthearted than Marilyn Manson. I would agree. I, I think it's more about the spectacle yeah. and the experience than the lifestyle. Yeah, the concert I watched was hilarious. I mean, yeah. it was very fun. It was very silly. It had a lot. It was like a magic show. Right. There were tricks. Yeah. There's a part where he got his head cut off. Yeah. And yeah. then they're carrying his head around. And there was like people in giant costumes on stilts and all, you know, like it was, it was very, it was kind of like this crazy Vegas, <laughs> you know, freak right. show. It's, like, it's not too dissimilar to some TMBG antics that they do, which is kind of right. another thread I want to touch on. Is Sounds like guar. 
Yeah, Gore, I think Gore takes it yeah. even further. But it's all very silly still, you know? Like yes. I don't I don't think they really want people to be like angry. <laughs> no, well we'll it's talk exuberance. about that. With some of these songs referenced, I have quotes from yeah. uh Alice Cooper and and the band about their intentions with the songs. It's interesting. So Alice Cooper doesn't like play an instrument. So yeah. like one thing I, was, I kept trying to find out is like, does he write the songs? So it seems like he co-writes or does yeah. it might be like a Morrissey thing where he just sings on top of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's, it was really hard to find, like, can he compose a pop song or is he just singing? And yeah. I don't know. So that's a little up in the air, but, um, not that it mattered. I mean, it's still, yeah. he obviously, he's like meatloaf. Is that what meatloaf too? I always saw meatloaf as like meatloaf a, is a singer and Jim Steinman wrote all the songs. So yeah, Alice Cooper has that too, where he has like yeah. these guitarists and right. key- keyboard guys. I'm who sure write musically everything. minded. So you're probably like, oh, this would work better here. Yes. There's another thing. There was an old article I found this interview with Flansburg from around John Henry. And he talks about Alice Cooper and they don't even mention the song. He just starts talking about Alice Cooper. And it was an article about Flansburg's guitar tone on mm-hmm. the album, which I, I want to talk about too. But so it's from 1995 from Guitar Player Magazine. And Flansburg says, I am of the 70s generation. I bought more than one Alice Cooper record. I really enjoyed experimenting with things like tuning down three half steps or moving into simpler voice voicings with a more saturated sound, trying to play simpler and bolder. This mm. is like what a guitar magazine article is like. And then later he talks about, he talks about influences and he goes, people love Kiss nowadays, but the Beatles, <laughs> no, <they don't. laughs> but the Beatles are better. Hey, even Alice Cooper's Billion Dollar Babies kicks ass on any Kiss album. Hmm. So Flansburg's an enthusiastic Alice Cooper fan. I think we can. So my one theory I have this song is: is Linnell, does Linnell think Alice Cooper's silly, and he's kind of making fun of Flansburg yeah. a little? <laughs> Flansburg's hmm. like teenage years. Is Linnell writing a song from the point of view of teenage Flansburg? Oh, that's 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 is that my. Your big- theory that's one theory yeah is that linnell's teasing flansburg a little but because i couldn't find anything about what linnell actually thinks of alice cooper's mm. music so he might His have silence been, damns him <laughs> he might have been right along with flansburg buying yeah. those albums in the 70s or maybe flansburg one day ranted about how much he loves alice yeah. cooper as a kid and linnell wrote this song yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Was your first introduction of Alice Cooper Wayne's World also? <laughs> Probably Wayne's World. Listening to a bunch of these songs, um, Welcome to My Nightmare is very familiar. I was like, I know, yeah. I know this deep down. Like, I think as a kid, I knew, I watched that video. School's Out is a big one. Never had a uh, cable. Never, never saw yeah. music videos. <laughs> ah, it's so crazy. For the most part, yeah. So I knew Feed My Frankenstein, which okay, I well, thought was Be My Frankenstein. Wait, look at my what? note. <laughs> I will not wait. Look. Wait, read my note out loud that I wrote to myself. <laughs> Feed my Frankenstein. Thought it was be my Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, so. A common critique. You're the, my brother from another <laughs> I always say that. So I knew him from that. Mm-hmm. He's hysterical in that. <laughs> he is? That's, it, oh, in, in Wayne's, Wayne's World. World. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, I knew school's out, whatever, just like as like from commercials, like for yeah. fucking Pizza Hut. But that's really it. No, similar, similar. He was just a figure. Right. Um that you you know about yeah there's a lot of random famous singers and musicians that i know exist but yeah. that i don't know anything about right. i mean you probably think of a few but like uh but now i know a lot about alice cooper so uh yeah uh, vincent cooper vincent cooper this is another quote from flansburg about uh, alice cooper that i thought was interesting flansburg says when asked about why must i be sad flansburg says He's been forgotten. It's as if he never happened. I guess this was the 90s. and mm-hmm. 
People think of Iggy Pop as this incredible cultural UFO, but Alice Cooper not only was completely bizarre, but took it to an incredibly wide popularity. He was big. He was playing golf with Bob Hope. Wow. So um, That is big. Yeah, that's pretty big. That's as big as it gets. Uh, by the way, this quote from Flansburg is from an <laughs> it's from an article about They Might Be Giants from a newspaper, and the headline is One Giant Goofball Leap. Huh. Uh, which I'm sure they were Those thrilled. <laughs> yeah, that's when they got a band and made a, ver- a fairly serious, straightforward rock album. That's what they were hoping would happen. Yeah, is articles that say that call them goofballs. These hardworking musicians <laughs> that compose these difficult songs. What a bunch of goofballs. Yeah. So again, we got multiple quotes. Flansburg likes Alice Cooper. He, right. th- he thinks he's not. He thinks he's underrated. Really. Yeah. And I, I do now, too, after listening to some of these songs. And we're sure Linnell wrote this. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really sounds like Flansburg Flansburg could have written it, <laughs> yeah. That's why, I, that's why I feel like Linnell was tapping into Flansburg yeah. here a little bit. Another time, Flansburg, on the Tumblr, someone said, are you a fan of Alice Cooper? He said, of course, in their moment, Alice Cooper was it. Detroit riff <laughs> rock at its finest. Mm. So I, I feel like I rest my case Flansburg was a fan. Yeah, so let's talk about Linnell's motivations a bit more. He's exploring on this album, the teenage culture. Maybe he, you know, he's making fun of... To me, the song sounds like a grunge rock song with Mm -hmm. the chord progression and the chorus, the ask me now. To me, that sounds like Nirvana. I noticed on the verses, he's drawing out the syllables a lot for a specific intentional way. Um, So that makes it kind of sound more Alice Cooper-y, to me, grungy. I wrote in my note, Dave, a kind, the verses have a dragging, depressed feel. Yeah. It goes with the narrator who yeah. feels like... Well, what do you need me for? <laughs> th- things are kind of like in slow motion. He's this like sullen teenager. Yeah. The organ helps that feel too. The organ brings sort of a... Yeah. I don't know, death church feel to it. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like there's not, there's, you know, it's the, the arrangement is pretty, it's like just a rock song. Mm-hmm. Like they could have gotten more, I feel like if this, he wrote this song in the 80s, there could have, they would have thrown more funny yeah. <laughs> things and here <laughs> and stuff. But like, I was trying to think like, does it have Alice Cooper musical references? Yeah. But I couldn't really tell any. So here's here's the thing. Uh, this is like a really interesting. This is not about why must I be sad, but this is a great Linnell bit that I was like, I don't know what else to think about hearing this except why must I be sad. So this is from a Q and A they did after Gigantic, and uh, this woman gets up there and she goes, I, I don't have a question, I have a comment, which is a no no when it's a Q and A, by the way. But whatever, uh, she seems nice. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> just annoys me. Someone has an agenda. No, but it did lead to an interesting remark yeah. from them. So all's forgiven. But uh, she mentions that her son has trouble making friends and blah, blah, blah. He's in junior high or something, but sh- he loves They Might Be Giants music. And it's like really saved his like, you know, really like was this comfort for him. Yeah. And this is what Linnell says to that. And tell me if this doesn't. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> tell me if this isn't, doesn't make you think of Why Must I Be Sad's uh, narrator. That's good. Yeah, well, I guess, that, you know, everybody has an experience when they're, uh, you know, it's amazing how many people at a certain age uh, feel like they're the only ones who are alienated, whereas, in fact, everyone in their high school feels the same way, more or less. But, but, but people uh, often find some cultural thing to latch on to that is kind of the emblem of their, you know, their outsiderness, you know, and, and it can be... It's amazing the range of things that can, that can, you know, provide. 
Right. Uh, so we had those. We we absolutely had uh, a, a long list of things that you know. I think John and I each, and they weren't the same things necessarily, but, but we both uh, latched on to stuff that we thought was like this, that's the only person who understands me, and, you know, or there. They understand me. They know me. <laughs> so and now they do that. They do that for people and. Well, this, that's my other theory about the song, is that it's kind of about their own fans. Hmm. It's like a metaphor for the way their fans think of their music and how surreal that is for them. Sure. So they, I, this, this song, it's funny because my first approach to the song was like, oh, it's straightforward. It's about an Alice Cooper fan. And the more I, as usual, <laughs> yeah. it, like I think of all these different like metaphors and uh, angles to it that I'm just like, oh, that's like covering a lot of different territory. So yeah, I, I think that the idea of like someone listening to a, a band and he's like, that's this band is the only thing that understands me. Yeah. I do think, do you, okay, here's my question to you. I'll phrase it as a question instead of a statement. Do you think Linnell, to the him, this is a comical song? Is this uh, a, yeah. Is a com- okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I do think that Linnell's kind of having, I think he thinks it's funny yeah. if someone finds these silly kind of horror campy rock songs yeah. like deep and profound and uh relatable yeah but in the in the same sense though i kind of i mean i think about me and you and you know it's like i think we, about we, us a lot we too. love <laughs> we love horror movies and we, we i like campy stuff i like comic books and and that stuff is also means a lot to me too and it's like is it that crazy to be like no this alice cooper song yeah. about dead babies is speaks to me. I think both can be true. Yeah. So I think even though he thinks it may be silly, he probably also thinks it doesn't make it any less profound mm-hmm. to the person that it's affecting. Yeah, like you can acknowledge the, an absurdity yeah. about yourself or someone else, but still be like, but it's sort of respectable too. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's kind of different shades of, uh, there's judgment, but there's also like, I'm, I'm judging you, but I get it, but I'm the same yeah. way. Which is, I do that a lot to, to you, well, Dave. I'm, of course. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm yeah. sure there are things that are very meaningful to John Linnell that nobody else gets too, so. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, it reminds me of that interview where he mentions his fa- his favorite latest album he bought was a Sammy Davis Jr. album. And the yeah. interviewee laughs. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, you laughed. <laughs> and it's <laughs> that to me is like yeah. the why must I be sad narrator. Right. Um, I think it's a pretty universal experience. It's funny. It's that thing we always talk about where it's universal and very individual <laughs> at the same time, yeah. which they capture well often. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I wonder how if the song is supposed to be even more cruel than I would even mm-hmm. feel comfortable with. Because I mean, part of me is like connects it to I should be allowed to think where I'm like, because and I should be allowed to think we talked about how the kid in the song is like maybe he's misunderstanding howl or he's plagiarizing it <laughs> he's yeah. connecting to it but he doesn't get it and he thinks he's as interesting as the people and the poets and how howl sure. that are discussed and so he's like Linnell being like and here's another dummy <laughs> who thinks that he's he's not getting that Alice Cooper is satirical right. and and I I sort of confirmed that reading all these interviews with Alice Cooper and stuff right. like his songs are meant to be kind of funny you know it's like a lot of different like acts that like you we like you said guar and stuff where they're just yeah. like we're, like we're performance art it's fun you know or even the misfits to an the extent the misfits I was I was thinking of too where it's like we're singing about horror movie stuff but it's not we're not actually singing about horrible real life i mean it's more about yeah. 
like a yeah there's a theatrical so and, and there's an interpretation of pop culture there and you know mm-hmm. those things are meaningful to them and now they're reinterpreting it making them yeah i mean actually it's very similar <laughs> to they might be giants yeah yeah that well that's a, that's the thing i also kept coming back to is like yeah this is like alice cooper songs about death right. songs about horror movies character songs right. fictional stories satire I'm like, oh, that sounds like they might be giants, yeah. basically. And there's, as you'll hear, a lot of these Alice Cooper songs are are very tuneful. They're very, they're not just like I was imagining more of a yeah. Kiss kind of thing, but yeah. a lot of them, some of them sound like the Beatles and like, Interesting. you know, there's a lot of variety. Well, maybe we should listen to some. Let, well, let's go to let's go into the song a little bit. Oh, one more thing I wanted to mention. Ah, you fucked my segue. See, <laughs> I do that. Fucked it. That's my porno. <laughs> title. <laughs> I peeked at the old news group that I used to frequent to see if anyone had any thoughts. And one mm. one thing jumped out at me was this, and this goes with our interpretation of not knowing it was about Alice Cooper or mm-hmm. not when we were kids, uh, we're babies. Teenagers. Um, yeah, teenagers. Young adults. <laughs> well, when you're like 40, anything under <laughs> 30 is a kid. Yeah. No, someone mentioned, uh, I won't say their name, I, I don't know, but they said, I love this song until I found out it was about Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. I associate it with Alice in Wonderland. Oh, and I could totally see that. Be like, now, like, about someone who read Alice in Wonderland. Oh, now I get what Alice said. That's cool. Like, you could pick any Alice, really. Right. And just be like, like, even Frank Black has a song where he mentions an Alice and people were, like, trying to figure out who it was. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so that's, like, hmm. I, it's an interesting thing of someone being like, oh, I don't like the song as much now. Hmm. But I think, you know, if you, like we're doing, if you dig into it more, it's actually very interesting. It totally works as an Alice in Wonderland thing, too. That's interesting. Yeah, it kind of does. Alice, that's a good name. Alice Fox. Alice Fox. You're thinking of baby names, Dave? What do you, what do you have on your mind? I just don't want to fuck up an, uh, another uh, important <laughs> another thing person. I have to title. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> another thing you have to title. Yeah, yeah. It's like an album. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And your album took <laughs> yes. a long time to name. Yeah. So that's a baby is going to be. That's the next thing to be uh, obsessed with. Call it like black spiders i don't know <laughs> that's like the album title of my kid your, that's your kid. not even yeah. a thing yet i've just got alice cooper on the brain um black spider fox that's actually that's not spider fox that's not bad uh, okay the first lyric in the song <laughs> we're, we're not even at the first oh shit we're still talking about this so we've got the bass intro yeah sound great bass tone every great song has a bass intro <laughs> it's a bass intro <laughs> good bass tone just want to get that out there. It works to start it with bass because it's about. I mean, he even mentions feeling low yeah. in the song, so it's a mu- It's a musical pun almost. It's like mm-hmm. we're gonna get low. We're going down to the bass. Yeah. This is what. The, this is why this podcast is good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the first lyric: No more, Mister Nice Guy. <laughs> this is gonna. We're gonna be here a while. Holy shit, the verses are so much better than the chorus. 
It's all so I'll say this. The song's great. It's a great song. I so I made a, a Spotify playlist of all the should have listened to it. Yeah. I, I made a Spotify playlist of all the songs mentioned in the song and it makes like a solid album and that's a great start to it. You know, like Damn. I put it on in the car yesterday. This song is a great start to this playlist and it's a genuinely good. Yeah. I really like the song. Um, a little background on it. Cooper wrote the lyrics about the reactions of his mother's church group to his stage performances, hmm. saying that there were worse things he could do with his life and that the gloves were off now. Whoa. So it's about, it's a song about just being like, all right, I don't know if like everyone knows this is what I do. Right. I'm just going to go for it, which, which I think is fun. But yeah, it's a really fun song. Uh, we have so many songs to talk about. Let's just move on. The next thing. I didn't say anything. Dave. Um, but yeah, you, you liked scold it. Me. You seemed to enjoy it while I was Yeah, I liked it, it a lot. I'm going to listen to that playlist. Yeah, listen, I, I actually posted it on our Twitter. I know, I saw. Okay. I didn't want to listen to it beforehand and get my uh, brain all polluted with uh, different ideas. <laughs> with your own thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's only room for one of us in there, Dave. Um, the next line of the song, which again, I used to think was just the narrator talking, is I love the dead. Can I guess? Is that a Bride of Frankenstein reference? It's uh, it's a very famous line in that hate the living, love the dead. Oh, really? Wow, yeah. that, that's you should have an Alice Cooper uh, podcast. <laughs> probably exists. or a Frankenstein podcast. Yeah, um, maybe. Um, as far as I've seen, it's just about you can hear from the lyrics. Okay, it's just about a creep who loves fucking dead people. L fucking. There court. you have it. I, I'm gonna try to. Uh, I'm gonna try to say it gently. It's about a freak who fucks corpses. <laughs> Take that algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like this one as much <laughs> not a pleasant character <laughs> you've got a kind of phantom of the opera you know gothic piano vibe yeah. i think it's about like a guy who works at a morgue or right. something you know in movies and tv shows whenever there's someone working in a morgue yeah. this guy i follow on twitter had a funny observation he's like it always shows them eating a sandwich yeah <laughs> it's always like ah there's they don't they're so casual right. they're just eating their lunch it's just a job to them i mean eventually <laughs> i'd get hungry too yeah Let's just go to the like chorus okay. part because it's it's pretty it's yeah. pretty. Uh, We're more gonna exciting. get in the weeds here. Yeah, because we have like eighteen more songs to go through. But yeah, it's it's this is a good example of what Alice Cooper does, which is that it's it's gross. I mean, it's almost kind of like Mad Magazine or something, or Tales from the Crypt. I was thinking that. Yeah, like it, it's. I was thinking Mad Magazine when I was thinking of the stage show. 
Yes, like because it's so over it's, the top. It's an adolescent kind of gross. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's gross and it's it's like not appropriate, but in a way that's good for like thirteen or fourteen year olds, right? Right. Which is a good. It's like goosebumps or something. Like it's a balance. <laughs> it's a way to shock your parents. Exactly. Exactly. Which is why I think Linnell is he's making fun of mm-hmm. the idea that someone would connect to these lyrics so much. Yeah. But but again, I also think there's some self deprecating aspect to it, or he's like, and people relate to my lyrics. As people are starting to say that about us and yeah. he's like and some of my songs are jokes are jokey songs you know the what student I mean? becomes the master jordan i've been thinking about it now i under- understand what he said i feel like that to me just sounds like a tmbg fan like the interpretation section mm-hmm. on the the different websites and stuff you know then these big guitars come in i i wanted to take this opportunity to to say more of from this uh article about how flansburg recorded guitars for john henry's i found it really interesting i'll allow it so the these big heavy Flansburg guitars come in. And I think this quote from this guitar article might apply to this song because it sounds like it to me. You just said guitarticle. (laughs) Guitarticle. (laughs) Why not? So this is what the article says. Flansburg's new riffs have a thick overdub sound, yet Flansburg did little double tracking. Mm. Flansburg says, I modified the old Ted Nugent trick of doubling the same rhythm part and panning it out hard left and right. Sure. We'd run a single guitar signal. (laughs) That's hard to say through two very different speakers and pan them left and right. Most of the record is a late 70s Les Paul of little distinction through a Fender Deluxe and my dad's crummy old hi-fi speaker, Mm. which is surprising. It sounds like Siamese twins playing the same part. It lets us keep the vocals at pop record volume, but still have that heavy quasi overdub sound. So I feel like when the guitars come in for this, like, like they sound like they're the same part left and right with slightly different tones. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that could be how he did it. And, yeah. But I think that's a lot of John Henry. So That's a cool trick. Yeah, it's great, because and it saves time. You don't have to play it a second time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Though when you play something twice, you strum it differently, and that creates, you know, sure. stereo effects in, in your, you know, ears. Or dissonance. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> too, which, which can be great. Um, I actually did that in a demo this week. There's no time to talk about it. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the the lyrics in the chorus. I kick the rocks beneath me. I squint at the sun. Sad, sad, sad. (laughs) (laughs) Sad, 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 et cetera. Rows of dandelions growing all around me. This this whole thing to me is very pouty. Yeah. Teenage. Sure. It's it's almost cliches, which I think he's going for. But it's also kind of poignant to kicking the rocks beneath you. And it's like a little, I mean, not to mention myself again. I have a song where I mention supposed to be like a depressed thing. And I mentioned kicking a bottle cap. Right. It's like, that's a thing. You're just kind of like looking at the ground. Well, it's a very aw shucks. <laughs> aw shucks. Moment. And, and yeah. And like, it implies that you're kind of, your head's down. Yeah. You're just kind of kicking stuff and looking around. You're like, whatever, man. <laughs> Growing up in New York City, there's always garbage and cans dog and do. stuff to, to kick. <laughs> you kick a dog do. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a good idea, Dave. You said growing up in New York City, there's always, and I said, dog do yeah. on the ground. Uh, sad, sad, sad. Kind of runs me Mr. Me, a lot of sads. Yeah. A lot of sads to be had. <laughs> That's a good name for their next album. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of is what their albums have been like lately. 
one of these things I'm always interested in is like who, how, how do they decide who sings the backups and the harmonies and stuff? Yeah, I know like the chorus has Linnell in the background going like sad, 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 but like they reserve Flansburg for the later part, which I think mm-hmm. is like a really good idea because then it's like it's like this new thing, you know? Because mm-hmm. like if Flansburg was doing the sad, sad right. in the background, I don't know. I mean, it'd still be good, obviously. But I like his voice coming in only at the end makes it feel a little more exciting, yes, a little more like enhances a shift into something new. Yeah. The second verse, Dave. Let's talk about That's that. my name. Actually, it's David. They call you second verse Dave. <laughs> That's your, uh, Ma- your Top Gun <laughs> code name. Have you seen Maverick? It's great. Nope. Um, it's fantastic. My face suggests skepticism. Uh, see it. Don't spray it. I don't care about planes. Like I do. <laughs> How Clearly. many? Yeah, I'm always talking about planes. I don't have the need for speed. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to slow down. Yeah. Why can't we go slow in the plane? The need for medium pace. You're only 40, Dave. <laughs> You're not like hey. 60 yet. Um, I was like this at like 12. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So the second verse, uh, I first of all, just on a, a musical level, I just always love the flow of it. Like no one, like the song kicks in, you know, with that. Like it's the same. It's funny. It's like the same musically as the first verse, but we've got like a good drive going now. No one knows these things, but me yeah, and him. It's a more steady beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the flow of the singing, I love. So I'm writing everything down in a spiral notebook. Dave, I don't know about you. Spiral. I've got I've got two spiral notebooks from back in my golly gee junior high. I started in elementary school, but it went to high school, and the few little bits in college where I did little updates and then I you know kind of petered out, obviously, which is a consequence. I think I th- think about this kind of thing a lot of like the internet. Like hmm. you're writing stuff all the time. It really, you don't feel the need to be like for, for speed. You don't feel <laughs> you don't feel the need to like write in a book because you're like, well, I just wrote a bunch of stuff to the TMBG news group about my life. Well, if you're whatever. online a lot, which I was. Yeah, well, I was not. I still write things in notebooks. I'm analog. Well, a lot of my spiral notebook from when I was 14. I'm very embarrassed to say sure. it was me, it was me obsessing over an AOL crush that I had of this <laughs> person. I don't know if it was really a girl that we would be in a chat room like yeah. every night for like a long, for several weeks or months or a month or two. It felt like epic at the time, but it, when you look back, it's probably only a few weeks. Mm. And then she like disappeared and it was just, there's pages and pages of me being like, what happened to her? Did I make her <laughs> mad? I mean, it's really sad. It's like sad stuff appropriately. Yeah. My point is that I had the spiral notebook. You never did that? You never logged? Nope. <laughs> you just kept it all locked away. It's all in the old brain box. In the hopes that someday other people will feel as low as this. He wants everyone else to be miserable around To be him. miserable too. <laughs> Misery loves company. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I feel like that sums Boom. it up, right? Next. Um, uh, I like how the third verse is a refrain of the 
first verse, but uh, it has an interesting rhythm with Flansburg doing these guitarists, like do, do, do. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. Do, do, do. I've heard the song. <laughs> and I love Brian's drums there. Yes. It's like, it's like cool, keeping it uh, interesting. Shout out to Brian. Brian, check out, I just put up a new yeah. YouTube video of us talking to Brian about uh, the songs. Yeah. Uh, I like how it came out. I used some fun uh, video stuff in that. It's not, it's not just the audio that you've cool. heard. There's some stuff that's cool in it. Anyway, the, I love, I, I think that's just a great arrangement. You know, if you're going to repeat the first verse, you might as well. Got to add something to it. Yeah, change it up. So then... We get to, let's just go right to the yeah. big finale because it's a lot. This is the song. This is the song. Linnell keeps repeating the word sad, <laughs> which again, I want to emphasize when I was a kid, yeah, I connected to the song because it was, you singing about sad being sad. I was, uh, especially when I started to get crushes on girls. Yeah. And that's what I was, oh, I was sad all the time. Sure. Why must I be sad? Why must I be sad? First, Flansburg. Flansburg in the background. But I love the way he sings. I love that voice. I think it's like doubled or tripled. Mm -hmm. A bunch, bunch of Flansburgs, or it's got a reverb or something. I'm not an expert. <laughs> Welcome to my nightmare. Great song. Yes. Uh, really interesting acoustic arrangement, though it gets all rocking later. Did you know the the, uh, the context of that song, Dave? No. It's about Vietnam. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's not at all. <laughs> it's about... Um, Is uh, his nightmare having to be straight-laced? <laughs> no. No. Um, no, so it's a concept album yeah. about a little kid having nightmares. That's cool. So all the songs, it's kind of like an Alice in Wonderland, no pun intended at all. Um, it's kind of like this like nightmare magical journey with this little boy named Steven. Hmm. So the first song is being like, hey, Steven, like you're in my world now. And, oh, and it's no. just this cool like kind of rock concept album. Yeah. Welcome to my So the thing is, when these horns come in, it's very John Henry to me. Yeah. Right. True. And a lot of Alice Cooper songs, you will, we might hear, uh, they have like a big band sound to them, actually. So it's not just like dumb rock. <laughs> like it's yeah. got arrangements that are to take you know real musical skill. The next song, Flansburg sings, "Dead Babies." Yeah. Uh, That's sad. Guess what that song's about. <laughs> So it's about a baby who finds a bottle of aspirin and eats it all. Wow. Reminds me of like, it's like till my head falls off. That's yeah. Advil, but similar. Um, or like NyQuil driver. So it's about sure. that. That's why they have those tamper-proof caps. That's right. Did they have those in the 70s? Maybe this song 
made it happen. Well, the interesting thing about this song, so one of the things, uh, the the uh, bass player for the band, yeah. who's really good if you listen to the bass playing on the, some of these songs. I got no problem with it. Yeah, in, talk, in referencing this song, he said, and also about their general horror, scary song vibe, he said, it demanded more thinking than the public cared to do. So many mm. just tried to write us off as a joke. Others threatened to kill us. Girls, girls loved us, but, <laughs> but nobody could ignore us. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. This song has a really Beatlesy chorus. It sounds okay. like the White Album. Let me be the judge of that. Dead babies can't take care of themselves. Dead babies can take things off the Bit of a downer. <laughs> yeah. But that's a great chorus. That's like yeah. so interesting. It's it very keeps, cool. It's like a good thing. See, it's like sometimes when I write songs, I I don't push harder, you know, yeah, to like same. make it more interesting. And it's like you they had about the, dead babies. Dead, but not, not the lyrics, but just like the musically. It's like he could have just had it as dead babies taking care of themselves. And like that's the chorus and it's decent. Yeah. But he, it pushed it like da 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 da. Like, Ah, I got to do more, you know? Also, the lyric, uh, dead babies. I got to do better. <laughs> can't do anything. I don't remember what the lyric is. Yeah, that's very, can't um, take care of themselves. That's very, they might be giant too. Yes. <laughs> like, nothing's going to change my clothes. Uh-huh. Can't do anything if you're dead. It, that, this is a good one that's a mix of, like, it's almost funny how fucked up it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, also, yeah. like, he was, they were, they said, like, it's about child neglect, which, right. like, was a thing that was happening yeah because there are people having kids who didn't want kids and at that time and blah blah blah. babies having babies the next song dave in our tour uh raped dead and babies part two <laughs> no. oh raped and freezing well that's not much better actually this one's kind of a fun fictional story <laughs> hey. uh well, this song's really fun and catchy i my notes it almost reminds me of like a frank black and the catholics kind of rock song okay it says this is a story about a this is what a, a song facts said this is a story about a young man hitchhiking in Santa Fe, New Mexico, who's picked up by an older, allegedly religious woman. He ends up stranded in Chihuahua, Mexico, robbed of both money and clothes. So it's just oh. kind of a funny, uh, bad luck Hilarious. kind of song. Really fun, catchy chorus. Good songs. That's another thing I was thinking of when I was. I don't have enough like guitar riffs in my songs. Oh, you gotta have riffs. It's man. not my specialty, but they, they really make a. They really can make a song. They can be the catchiest thing in the song that you didn't even know was gonna. Yeah, guitar riffs be the tend to thing. be catchy. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next song they sang reference to is "You Drive Me Nervous." Yeah. 
You're driving nervous. Not one of my f- favorites. Uh, I thought this was a good songwriting tip, though. It says it was, it was originally titled You Drive Me Crazy, but the guitarist thought that was too cliche, so they sure. changed crazy to nervous. That's a great thing. Come Break up, out the old thesaurus. Yeah, just like you, you come up with an idea that you know has been done, and then just change it a little. Yeah. And that's how great art and is. And then you made. have another song. <laughs> exactly. I do that a lot in my lyrics, because I do a... I do like a first draft of the lyrics sure. and then usually when I'm about to, rec- if I'm going to record like a demo or something, I'm going to like, I go through it one more time. I'm like, okay, this word I could change to a yeah. more interesting word. And then sometimes it opens up whole other, a whole other thing in the song that I could then change more. But yeah. It's um, an avalanche of ideas. <laughs> next song. Just like me. Uh, this one's really fun. There's a lot about it actually. Uh, elected. Is it about the man? Before I play it, one thing about this song that you'll hear instantly. They said they were basically trying to write a, a Who, a The Who song. Uh, you could hear it. It sounds exactly yeah. like The Who. It's crazy. fooled again so elected it's like a political satire he released the song a few months before the election of 72 with richard nixon, nixon. and george mcgovern who no one uh, knows <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, he uh, must have lost yeah um cooper announced he was actually running for president when this single came out nice and uh he basically it's a rewrite of an earlier alice cooper song called reflected and i was just like you can do that rejected it's like on an, another album like you could just wow. change a, a line that's so man i should just do that Schmemected. <laughs> he says i thought this was interesting I don't care about taxes or all that crap. What I do care about and what Alice cares about, he speaks in a third person because huh. it's a character, are the extremity, or extremities of violence in this society. Alice has his boundaries. His violence is very choreographed and it mm. always happens to him. He always gets his comeuppance, gets his head cut off and pays mm. for his sins, but then comes back with a white top hat and tails and it's party time. Mm. That sort of sums up Alice Cooper in a way, right? It's very Looney Tunes. It is, yeah. Warner Bros. Oh, so uh, something interesting about this song. John Lennon was a fan and he, he it mm. says he was, when they were recording it, uh, this is a quote, he'd come in every day and listen saying, I, lo- I love this record. Wow. <laughs> um, he what was, a compliment. He was very political, whereas we weren't in the least political, but the record was such a great satire. John told me he loved the power of it and what it said and, and that it was a perfect time for that record. Though he said Paul McCartney would have done it better. <laughs> what the, why would he even say that? <laughs> What an asshole. <laughs> like, just coming into your studio being like, oh, by the way, Paul would have done this How better. How does it better? <laughs> it's, it's such a I weird... would have done it better? We call that a backhanded compliment. <laughs> Let's just go to later in the song, because, again, this to me has the John Henry vibe. These big horns come in, and it's very presidential horns. Very silly. Like an ant. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a while. Ant is another They Might Be Giants song. <laughs> yes.
That, that's very TMBG, <laughs> this yeah. part. Anyway, th yeah, th th that's just a song that jumped out at me when I was listening to the playlist of like, oh, this sounds like a TMBG arrangement. Right. The next song they mention is Generation Landslide. This one's really good. This also to me sounds like a Beatles, like 60-ish. Mm. It's like an acoustic-y song. What he said about the song was it's about, it's a, another satirical song that attacks the corruption and hypocrisy of the older generation and predicts that the youth culture will rise up. Kind of like the kids took over the TMBG song from Why. Yeah. Generation Landslide. Uh, the next song, Under My Wheels, Dave. Another one that wasn't one of my favorites. Uh, one of the little <laughs> tidbits of this is that the guitar solo in it is the guy is the same guy who played the guitar solo on Weird Al's Eat It. Oh. Check that okay. out. <laughs> Here's Under My Wheels. It's just about a guy and it has a fight with his girlfriend and then he runs her over. Uh, tale as it, old folks. as time. Yeah. Um, it's Beauty similar. And the Beast. Ben Folds Five have a song called Fair that's about a similar thing, but it's reversed. The woman runs over the man. Empowerment. And it's from the, yeah, that's right. And it's from the man's point of view, and it's actually a sad, funny song. But anyway, let's listen to Under My Wheels. Under My Wheels. I always think that too. The telephone is ringing. You got me on the run. Dude, that's, uh, <laughs> sounds like a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. The vampires are dancing, <laughs> <laughs> and the ghouls are in the school. I mean, Alice Cooper and Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's really why, the why same thing. Why wasn't he thing. the star of that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why was it Tim Curry? I wonder if there's there's got to be some connectivity there. Uh, I like the next song a lot. It's called Muscle School's of Love. Out, no. Muscle of Love, I thought was my so-called love. Yeah. For years I and mean, years and years. For years and years, I also misheard a lot of these, yeah. too. By the way, my so-called love, that's a great title for a song. It's kind of Morrissey-ish. Better than Muscle of Love. Actually. Well, so Muscle of Love has an... It's kind of... so. That's a penis, right? Yeah. So it's sort of... It's sort. I think there's a little twist. So it's similar to the... A X, twisted penis, To the XTC right? song Pink Thing, which is about Andy Partridge... a vagina? Andy Partridge wrote it about his penis, but it's also oh. about his newborn son. Gross. And all the lyrics, <laughs> well, I know, all the lyrics are double entendre, which is like, it's about, you could see it about both, because he's like, I love to play with my pink thing. Oh, he makes, God. you make me want to laugh, you make me want to cry. Why am I so happy when there's a tear down in your eye? Sounds like a bad song. <laughs> no, it's a great song, actually. So this song is similar, Muscle of Love, where... Yeah. You you listen and the lyrics you think it's about a teenager like jerking off in the bathroom because yeah. he goes well I must have come to that crazy age where everything is hot because that's so relatable to me because <laughs> I don't know if the things I'm thinking are normal thoughts or not mm. and that to me is like very much like the why must I be sad narrator mm -hmm. like he definitely connected to the song right and then he goes holy muscle of love I got a muscle of love I read dad's books 
Now things are crystal clear. Lock the door in the bathroom. I just can't get, I can't get caught in here. But then he goes, my heart's a muscle of love. So he's a, it's also about, Aww. so like it works as both is that yeah. he's so passionate and the song kind of works as like, it's about his big throbbing dick, but it's also about his, his big throbbing heart. I love songs that are honest about what teenage yeah. guys go through because it's, it's true and it's hard to sing about without it being gross. I have a song about it too, but I won't say which one. Next song they sing, which is really a big key for the Alice Cooper uh, decoding here. If you don't know if it's Alice Cooper, schools, schools out. out. Well, we got no choice. All the girls and boys made all that noise because they found new toys. Well, we can't salute you. Something I want to play, They Might Be Giants covered Schools Out. They covered it at a Stump the Band in the uh, in 1997. There you go. And it's pretty faithful to the, yeah. like, it knows all the parts. Something I noticed about Schools Out is, like, it keeps changing keys, and it's actually, like, huh. a very elaborate, a similar elaborate song that just, like, keeps kind of surprising you. Something I thought was funny is the title of the song apparently was inspired by something someone said in a Bowery Boys movie, which I don't know about you, Dave, but we, we watch the TCM app all the time, mm -hmm. and it's constantly cluttered with Bowery Boys oh, okay. movies. I don't know what that is. Where it's just like a, it was a genre about these uh, tough guys in New York City. Uh, okay. We're constantly like, God damn it, they just added like six Bowery Boys movies because we don't have any interest in watching them. Huh. Uh, maybe they're great, but someone said school's out because it was an old saying. It apparently means wising up. Like, okay. So someone says, "Hey, school's out," gotcha. meaning like you're you're out of school. You should be smarter. Or I got. Gotcha. I think yeah, I'm hip. In a 2008 interview, Cooper said, "When we did schools out, I knew we had just done the national anthem. I've become the <laughs> I've become the Francis Scott Key of the last day of school, which is uh. true. I mean, it's true. I think that's like a very uh, fair thing to say. I also covered schools out. Let's hear uh, it briefly. I had. I'm sorry, but I have to do it. Long story short, I, I was part of the house bands for the live show Risk, which is a podcast by Kevin Allison from the state. I was part of the house band and and we would cover like five or six songs every show, a little briefly. 
That's Dan Rosen uh, in there with me, and Daniel Matz, our friend on drums and uh, yelling the backing vocals with me. Yeah, that was fun. It's a fun song to play. We were actually genuine. We didn't change the genre because we're like, let's just play it because it's freaking fun. Yeah. The next song, Dave, really quick. So it's only women bleed. That's not true. The <laughs> we all have blood. The thing about this song is people apparently th thought it was about. Uh, per having a period, Periods. but they said no, it's about like women being like abused, you know, being like the victims kind of thing. So, uh, anyway, I, uh, both besides all that, uh, Could one be a double entendre. One thing I notice about this song is he really, and this is my opinion, he really sounds like John Lennon singing this one. It sounds like a John Lennon solo song. Let's listen and uh, let's, judge for ourselves. Yeah, man got his woman to take his seat. He got the power, oh, she got the need She spends her life through pleasing up a man Feeds him dinner, oh, anything she can The last song, it's also the name of a, an album called Billion Dollar Babies and Billion Dollar Babies he's, uh, was, is about themselves because about they, uh -huh. they they hit it big, and I think I mean this is my interpretation. I think they felt they were inexperienced or like yeah. very very fresh and young. He just said it was about the dangers of overindulgence yeah. and like making all this money. Let's listen to an interesting cocaine, Jordan. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> that sweet lines. sweet cocaine. Read between the lines of coke. Sweet Lady H. Really weird thing about this song. Uh, Donovan is doing backup vocals. Oh wow! And it's very obvious when you know that and you hear it. So yeah, it says Donovan was just there because <laughs> it's a similar, the same studio. And he's just like, sing on this. And they're like, okay. A lot of stories seem to be like that. <laughs> um, when I'm in the studio, no one's there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I could just go to the bodega and be like, you want to sing? <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. Why must I be sad? That's it. That's it, Dave. Wow. One, one weird. I'm shocked. <laughs> there's one weird footnote I just want to play. Um for a very brief period live in around 94, they did a swing version of the song. <laughs> and it's, I can't figure out what they were going for or yeah. why, because it was still that so- big 94 swing craze. 
maybe that's it. Maybe they're making fun of that. Cherry popping daddies. You, you figured it out. I think they're making fun of that. Big bad voodoo daddy. Squirrel nut zippers. There was three or four words that have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bunch of dumb names. It's a sort of a swingy version of the song. It's called Why Must I Be Sad? So this is May 94. So no one wow. really knew it yet. That album isn't out yet. Well, they don't really play this live. No, they stopped right after the yeah. John Henry tour. This is all we get. So yeah, that was uh, weird. Confusing. <laughs> Interesting. No one knew the song yet. Um, there is normal versions too. Yeah. And the, the, I maybe want to talk about them when we talk about the demos and stuff because those the normal versions are very old, early versions that are a little bit different. So that was Why Must I Be Sad. Wow. Wow, we. A lot. We did it. I hope we all learned about Alice Cooper. And friendship. <laughs> and friendship. It sounds like this is the last song that we're talking about no, no. for this episode. We're, but it's not, you we've, fools. We've got one more song, and it's got... So it's not it's, an ending, it's a beginning. It's got three little letters, and those letters spell out spy. <laughs> My spy. <laughs> um, okay, well, first of all... We talked about this, we, damn it. We talked a lot about the arrangement of spy in, in our Why yeah. Is the Sunshine episode, so we're going to talk more about the background of the song, and I've got some ideas about the lyrics and stuff like that. But if you really want to hear us pick apart the music and the arrangement, listen to our Why Does the Sunshine yeah. EP episode, uh, underrated episode. I don't have any ideas about the lyrics, so I'm glad you do. Yeah, well... I'll say this to tie a little theme together. Both Spy and Why Must I Be Sad are about like distant admirers, mm. kind of alienated characters who are like lo yeah. longing for a connection, right? I guess. Follow me there. Why the, not? The main Free country. The main stuff I've got about Spy, Flansburg has introduced it a lot in concert. So there's a few uh, layers to this. I thought it was about a spy. Yeah, it is about a spy, but I no, I, there's more to it. Okay. So we know it's about a secret agent. With that in mind, uh, one thing that uh, they've talked about, about the music for Spy. Yeah. One thing Flansburg said about the song, he said, a song like Spy is three chords. It's so simple that people know it before they even hear it. Minor blues. Hmm. I've always thought of Spy as a pretty interesting musically. Uh, so I, I've never thought of it as like, oh, I know this. Maybe it's all the horns. Yeah, the arrangement's pretty elaborate. Um, but an inspiration, so someone on the their Tumblr asked about Spy saying, was it loosely based on the spy genre? I recently watched The Man From U.N.C.L.E. and the music reminded me of your song. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, he says, the song doesn't have the classic crunchy spy chords of Bond music, but the biting guitar is a hat tip to that famous intro. First, let's listen to that. Okay. Let's listen to the Bond intro, the, the, the classic one, Dave. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know any, I've actually not seen, I've only seen like two James Bond movies. I have never seen any. Really? None? Wow. I thought you'd have seen more than me. I like, I like having like cool, like it's fun to maybe have a goal. Like I'm going to just watch them all one day, but I don't know if I'll ever get to it. You know, I feel like I can know what they are without watching them. Yeah. It's like, I get it. Sean Connery is like an asshole. Well, there's a bunch of different uh, actors. They're all assholes. They're all assholes. Everyone's an asshole. Yeah. Well, that's kind of why I want to watch you it. You know, goofy villain and he gets out of it. I mean, I've seen so many parodies of it, you know? That's the I thing. I feel like I've Which seen this it. song is it. almost a parody, bringing it back. Let's listen to the James Bond original theme that Flansburg says was, was kind of a reference. <laughs> See, that sounds like call of heads. Yeah, it does sound like call of heads. But then he continues answering this question. He says, if there was any specific piece of music that it jumps off of, I'd guess I'd point to Peter Gunn. So it's for the television show of called Peter Gunn. It's like a spy show. It's a it's a private eye show, Peter Gunn. I've never seen it. Don't know much about it, but I do know the the song from it very well because you, like you hear it in a lot of things. That's a big coincidence that like a private detective has the last name Gunn. Gun, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I know. I mean, what are the odds? The spy genre and the porn genre have that <laughs> in common, where the names match yeah. the occupations. Penis uh, with two S's. <laughs> Mr. Penis. Uh, that's like one of those Mr. Books for kids. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's listen to the Peter Gunn theme, because you, you can kind of see how Spy was based on it, the vibe of Spy. first heard this in the sopranos they you remember they mashed this with every breath you take in the season three premiere all these songs like jumble together in my brain yeah i think that's i think that's what spy is really <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like a it's like a kind of a vague reflection of all these this genre very specific genre which is yeah. spy theme songs and so they might be giants actually covered this once on the radio Let's listen to that. You're talking to uh, John, John, and Brian of uh, They Might Be Giants. Do you have a request for them? Yeah, I'd actually like to hear Peter Gunn by Henry Mancini. Peter Gunn Gunn. by Henry Mancini. And what's your name? Wow. I know the riff and nothing else. Well, that'll do. Let's do that. Okay. Okay, Okay, thanks for calling. Thanks a lot. Okay. What's the key point? Check out his uh, An Eve, please. Okay. Uh, And also, uh, what was his other great song? Experiment in Terror. Definitely worth checking out. Okay, so how does that one go? Because like, so that's the peter gunn theme i definitely hear reverberations of it in the spy theme reflections (laughs) rejections 
Schmenections. Anyway, another thing. Uh, there's a show where they played Spy and they also, Flansburg starts improvising this Spy parody song called Super Dude. <laughs> and uh, you, you, this again just shows that Flansburg, at the time, he had this on his mind. Right. He had this genre of music. And it's an interesting thing to talk to, like, think about, like, these genres within genres, like really specific genres. Like, this is the one thing that always has to sound like this, you know. This might, wait, Dave, this might be my favorite They Might Be Giant song. Okay, cool. This is 1993. That's right around when Spy was written, too. And it's got that Spy vibe. My main thing about the song is many, many times in concert, Flansburg has introduced it by saying it's either dedicated to or about Frank Black or inspired by Frank Black. Here's a song I'd like to dedicate to Mr. Frank Black. This song is from Outer Space, and it's called Spy. As if his alien hunting. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, you, yeah, you, you, you jumped ahead. Sorry, but I, it's okay. You invited me over here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to dedicate this next song to Mr. Frank Black. This song is about a secret agent from outer space, and it's called Sprout. So he says this song's about a secret agent from outer space. It's a very good description of Frank Black. Yeah. <laughs> that should be like his Twitter bio. Yeah. He says that a f- at a few shows. Thank you. The spy from outer space. The spy from outer space. The spy from outer space and left us this song. A few times they played shows with Frank Black. By the way, if anyone doesn't know, uh, Frank Black, he was the singer of the Pixies. He now again is the singer, uh, lead songwriter of the Pixies. Me and Dave are huge fans of, of his work, especially especially his solo material. Part of the whole Frank Black thing is that around uh, the the like third or f- uh, I guess it depends on if you count Come On Pilgrim as an album uh, or an EP, but basically like the third Pixies album Bossa Nova or, mm-hmm. or fourth Frank Black started writing a bunch of songs about aliens and UFOs yeah. and, and sci-fi concepts in general. And then he continued that thread on the next Pixies album, Trompe Le Monde. And then he continued that thread yeah. like way further yeah. in his first few solo albums. That John Linnell played on. That's right. So there's a lot of, they were friends at the time and, and mutual admirers, fans of each other's music. Let's listen to a few, because I, I think this might have been what was going on and that Flansburg was inspired mm-hmm. by Frank's songwriting. And he's like, oh, let me try to do a song about like where the POV is it an alien on a spaceship. And I wanted to play a few Frank Black songs that also have that. Also, because I love Frank Black. I don't think Dave's going to mind too much. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> on Trompe Le Monde, there's a few songs from the point of view of aliens. There's Planet of Sound. Yeah. 
which is about an alien searching for, he, he gets like a signal and he's trying to find the planet that sent it, which is like kind of like a really interesting, kind of sad idea, like mm-hmm. he's trying to find this other life. Motorway to Roswell is about That's the, sad. the Ro- very sad. It's especially sad for me lately. I can't even listen to it honestly because yeah. of personal things. But it's about the because of that alien that died. Yeah, it's about the Roswell alien. Yeah. It's from it's not from its point of view exactly, but it's kind of telling a story about the Roswell alien crashing his ship and and what happened to him and how sad it is. That's one of my favorite songs ever written. And so this is all around right when they're writing for John Henry. Uh, here's my more specific theory. In 1993, uh, and maybe the, I don't have, maybe the dates won't line up. I don't know. But uh, Frank Black recorded a Hello EP uh, yeah. for John Flansburg's Hello CD of the Month. Two of the songs have like outer space mentions. One is uh, this demo of Sir Rockabye, and he mentions... I don't know exactly what the song's about, but he does mention deep, deep outer space mm-hmm. in the lyrics. You've got a sad face. You don't show it. You're smiling too. Even in the about a space something for you Another track on the Hello EP is Space is Gonna Do Me Good, mm-hmm. which I've always thought had a double meaning. So it's about Frank Black. Like He has a lot of antisocial songs about mm-hmm. not wanting to be bothered. One of them is uh, on Devil's Workshop. Oh, The Scene, it's called. Yes. About it. There's a line about people talking in the movie theater during his favorite scene. Yes. And then even uh, on, he's got a song called White Noisemaker about yeah. wanting to sh- everyone to shut the, f- yak. shut the fuck up. Yeah, yakety yak. So anyway. Um, he's back again. Space is going to do me good on the Hello EP, and it's also a, a more finished version on Teenager of the Year. I think it's a double meaning because there's, there's lines in it about, I think he's saying I would just want to be in outer space because it's away from everybody. Yeah. But he's also saying I need some space. Like, mm-hmm. Give me some space. I'm done with adult matters I'm doing the catapults I'm meaning to get out of Hollywood Space is gonna do me good Yeah, because he's like, I'm doing the catapult, which to me, it's the imagery of him like being thrown out of the Earth's orbit. I've been meaning to get out of Hollywood. Space is going to do me good. Uh, He mentions Words of the Man Ray, which is a Ray Bradbury reference, Mm. which Cult of Ray's album is about. You can see I can do a podcast about Frank Black because I, I love Let's Frank Black. It. Maybe I that know. should be the fiftieth episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Frank Black special. Um, so I think Flansburg was was intimately familiar with the Hello EP, and that he got inspired to do songs, a song about an alien from outer space, and having that poetic 
kind of longing for outer space that Frank Black songs have. Vanishing Spies is yeah. another one. So you think the spy in Spy is a little green man? I should have even mentioned Vanishing Spies. It's like from that time too. Yeah. Um, though, though Teenager of the Year came out uh, after John Henry, I think, or, or it might have been too, not after John oh, Henry. Oh, there goes that. You've wasted no, no, our time. They came out around the same time, but he might have, maybe Flansburg knew about Vanishing Spies. Yeah. Literally a song about aliens and right. it's called Vanishing Spies. I said, so you think the spy in Spy is a little green man? Is, is a little green man. He's He has some sort of infatuation with someone yeah. on Earth. Uh, but I also think there's metaphors happening. And then there's a, a twist coming later that I'm going to tell you. Ooh. Keep, yeah. Don't turn it off, people. It gets better. Stay tuned. There's a few other reference points to this. Uh, Frank Black and They Might Be Giants played a few shows together. They sure did, Jordan. There's a famous one that was recorded for a radio station, so it's really good quality. Thank you very much, uh... We're all out of time, but I think we have time for one more, one more little number from those crazy guys from Brooklyn. The Johns, they might be giants. We're doing a song here called Spy, which I understand is a new song. It's a brand, brand new, new song, song dedicated, dedicated to Mr. Frank, Frank Black. Black. Whoa! California Can you do that? Dedicated to... Dedicated to you. All right, well, thanks a lot for coming down, you guys. You know, it was a, a real pleasure, and uh, I'm always honored to uh, be in the same room as you. Well, it's always a total gas. They might be giants. Yeah. Everyone, big warm welcome for They Might Be Giants. So sometimes I wonder if that was, that's what started him saying that it's dedicated to Frank yeah. Black or if they, that was already like a thing. Um, they played a show where Linnell was sick and Frank Black like filled in. It's a Whoa. crazy bootleg, Dave. Uh, you could do a whole episode about it because it's just like a really unbelievable show. But they performed Oddball. They might oh, be wow. giants performed oddball with Frank Black, and then after oddball, they play spy. And, uh, this next song was also uh, inspired by Mr. Frank Black. It's about a, uh, a secret Asian guy all the way from outer space. So there, there he go. says, he says it's inspired by Frank Black, and I think he's being literal. There's the smoking gun, folks. Yeah. Spies about an alien. Who knew? And it's, you know, the, the lyrics are pretty sparse. There's not a lot of details. Yeah. I see you from my spy plane. I see you walking on the ground. It's like hovering above this person. Yeah. Spy glasses. I don't know what that, you know, they could be binoculars yeah. or some alien technology. Sure. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like, I, I don't get the impression that these lyrics are super, or maybe I, I didn't until until today, get the impression that these lyrics are super like elaborate or serious. I think he just wanted a song to jam to, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I took them pretty literally. It's not some deep story. It's more just like, yeah. let's just have fun with this, like this, this, you know, spy genre and an alien idea. If you want to be a spy, then you must really see. And you must really see if you want to be a spy like me. I see your face smiling at me 
I always thought the line "I might gaze on a submarine" was. I mean, it has it has a cool rhythm to the words, mm. but but what's is the person in a submarine, or is he or is he, he's looking he's he's thinking of them while looking at a submarine? Does this have to do with how a lot of UFO sightings are around military operations, mm. right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it could be. So the other theory about this song comes from this live intro that I heard. I'll just play it for you, Dave, and I don't want to talk too much about it because it's personal stuff with Flansburg's life, but you'll see what I mean. I don't know what the people in your family do for a living, but my brother's a spy for some other country. I can send this uh, song out to him, and it's called Spy. Okay, so this adds a new layer to me. Is that... True. Landsberg's brother is quite a character. Yeah, we we've, talked about we've him. We talked about him a little. Uh, Hacha, counterfeit faker coming up. There's there's songs right. that seem to be about Flansburg's interesting relationship with yeah. his brother. I don't want to dig too deep because I do feel like it is kind of crossing into personal territory. But the fact that one time he, maybe more unrecorded uh, that we haven't heard, but the fact that he introduced this song as being like, oh, this is about my brother who's a spy for another country. <laughs> and then when you mm. look at the lyrics as being about like an estranged family member, right? you will never understand me because mm. I have a special job. I mean, he does, Flansburg does have a special job in mm. a way. Or he's, it's from the point of right. view of or the brother, brother saying, Flansburg, you'll never understand me. Um, I wish I could break the spyglass and set it free mm. so we could... It suddenly becomes more of a platonic song and not a not like a weird obsessive crush yeah. kind of song, which I always thought of it as just mm. kind of a, a t sort of a Flansburg crush song, you know, maybe like a Sleeping in the Flowers, sort of another angle on Sleeping in the Flowers. It also could still uh, run the uh, adolescent theme, you know, being like playing a playing at a spy, yeah, you know, as a kid or it whatever. It is. It is like well, the James Bond things is these. It's it is very kind of like adolescent. Well, actually, I always sort of saw James Bond movies. Someone once described them as dad fantasy movies, <laughs> and I kind of yeah. I see that too. Um, but yeah, like it is. It is playful. It's it's yeah. kind of silly. You know, like Secret Agent is a play. A game oh you yeah, play as a kid. Not me, and little, maybe another kid. Little technology, the pens that are, like, right. you know, uh, something, something else. Invisible ink. The pens that really is a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think there's there's some layers to this song that are, that are interesting. It's another like interesting if true mishmash genre. As I always say if it is another Flansburg brother song, I find that extremely interesting. Yeah, um, a lot of layers to but this again, song. I didn't think about. He could have just been making a joke on stage. I want to make clear we don't know. Could be jokes. We don't too. know shit. You know, be you, you know the phrase, you don't know Jack? We yeah. don't know Jack shit. True. Well, that's what it's from, right? You don't know Jack shit. I thought it was about uh, Jack Frost. <laughs> you don't know Jack Frost. The Jack Frost biography, yeah. biopic. You thought you knew. The Jack um, Frost I know is a loving man. <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about the, what happens in the song. I, at one point, there's a scream, Dave. Yeah. So I kind of broke, I broke my own rule for this podcast. Okay. Uh, about a month ago, I just fucking asked Flansburg. <laughs> Oh shit! I just asked on the Tumblr who, what is the source of the scream? Is it, it was a, him. Is it a sample? Is it a person? And Flansburg said he replied, "It's Robin Goldwasser." Wow! So now we know, and it's funny listening to it. A good scream. You can kind of tell that it's her, knowing her very distinct voice. Yeah, knowing her tambour.
I, I hear her. Well, now I can't unhear it. I know, yeah. I really just thought it was Flans doing a crazy scream. No, I always thought it was a woman, but I wondered who it was. Yeah. Um, that's so cool to know that it's Robin Goldwasser. I, you don't, I thought it was Flans like pitched up or something. Mm, yeah, I thought it was that or, or a sample, yeah. um, like from a movie or something. Well, I was wrong. As usual. As usual. Yeah, I don't normally just ask questions <laughs> that I want answered, but I was just like, you know, we talk so much about Spy, I don't have as much left for it. It's been 49 episodes. You're allowed a question. Yeah. So then we've got the big Spy Jam sex section. <laughs> big Spy <laughs> Jam sex. We did talk a lot about before. Um, yeah. I wanted to take this opportunity to mention on our YouTube channel, I did a compilation of all the live Spy Jams I could find. Mm -hmm. I have completed a new version because I yep. I found dozens and dozens of more live concerts, and this new version is hours longer than the original. I'm gonna I'm gonna upload that hopefully this week. Uh, it's insane. It's you even, do that. <laughs> it's even more insane than the first one, and it's it's all mixed into the first one. So I'm sorry. There is a person on Reddit who tried to log what each clip was from, like what show, what date. This screws all of that up because I mixed them all around randomly because I want it to be random and fun. So sorry. Sorry, person. But uh, so look to our YouTube channel. Don't look to start. the skies. But yeah, so that we can just talk very briefly about the spy jam thing. I think we, we have to talk about it a little, right, Dave? What do you think? What do you think of the jam? It's really uh, different and cool. Uh, it's not something you would hear every day in an album that free, for, especially for them, that for them. free form kind of craziness. Yeah. I often wonder how they chose how crazy to go. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. And like what, I, how many takes did they do? Like, how did that yeah. work? Yeah, you think, I wonder if it's a blend of different takes or something. I have a feeling it was obsessively um, <laughs> picked apart. Yeah, um, the thing that I noticed about, just because it's on an album, it's 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 uh, forever. Ar archived forever, is yeah. like, when you know it well enough, it's almost like a, just a song. Not a jam Like, anymore. I know all the parts that are, yeah, I know too. what's around the next corner. So I'm like, oh, yeah, here's the part where he's like, dee, 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 yeah. dee, 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 and, and here's this and that. There's the part that goes flomp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Live, it is this big tradition, and I yeah. don't know if that's like the thing to really talk about. This, I'll just play. I have so many live clips of it, and you could listen to the YouTube thing. I'll play one that I thought was pretty funny because it has Linnell yelling a lot. So okay. enjoy, enjoy some of this. And this is from around that time, 1994. <laughs> It's there like you have it. we would need another hour to talk to go through a bunch of different spy jams from their live concerts. But oh, uh, I'm not doing anything. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I think they have fun. I think it's a chance to just have something unpredictable happen at a show. Yeah, it's yeah. I wonder if they had discussions about the album. Like, are we really we're putting this on in the album because we did it on the EP? It's risky, but otherwise the song <laughs> is really short. Actually, it's like a minute and a half or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, that that's spy. And please, again, pair this up with our previous yeah. spy discussion because we really picked it apart. Uh, You'll find there's plenty there. But Dave, do you? Well, maybe I didn't ask you this. You like spy? Are you like Spy? I like Spy. <laughs> it's a good song, but it's funny, though. Not my favorite on the album. That's the thing is, there's been a number of live shows I've been to where it's the only John Henry song they do, and I'm a little like... Well, that's the thing. Out of all of them. That's yeah. the rub, Jordan. Yeah. Plenty of other songs I want to hear. Yeah. Uh, good song. Loved playing the bass line when I was learning how to play bass. Oh, yeah, Very sure. fun. I'm almost positive I said that on the other episode. So if I did, I apologize. I don't know. People I, skip episodes, though, so... Yeah, those fools. <laughs> those f monsters. Uh, how would you rank it, Jordan? It's funny, I was thinking about this when we played the Why Must I Be Sad swing thing. Is like, was yeah. that Linnell trying to be like, oh, let me mess around with yeah. genre more because I don't do it that much. What makes that They Might Be Giants album have that variety, it's, it's almost solely Flansburg right. because he, he just wants to experiment and, and try things he hasn't done before. Mm -hmm. So Spy is like a really fun... Uh, piece of music, but it's yeah. not a fa it's not a favorite song, but it it you know it goes down easy. It's fun. It's like exciting. what would you rank it one to twenty? One being number one or that's one a, being that's the a good lowest? Question. Didn't plan that far ahead. Uh, yeah, one being the highest. It'd probably be in like the bottom three or four. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I do, but I really like it. Yeah, that's the the disclaimer with and, that is that we love all these and songs. how could i how could i dislike a song that is apparently inspired by frank black and also about or aliens his brother. <laughs> or his brother um it's funny because he's called there's i feel like there was an interview or some live thing where he's called frank black his brother like just as like a he's like he's like my brother you know interesting yeah like his musical brother yeah i could talk about frank black and the his ufo songs all day i mean i went to roswell last year and i made a playlist of ufo songs and about 30, 40% of it was Frank Black. Yeah. Suffice it to say, the man likes aliens. So that was John Henry, part three. Part three. We will be back with part four, where we have a really, really, really special guest next yes. episode, a new special guest that I'm like been just really excited to get to. One of my favorite things we've ever done on this show. Yep. We're dying to know your thoughts. We're dying. We're dying. Anyway, <laughs> no, we're dying to know your thoughts on the songs we discussed uh, today and, and in the past John Henry episodes. Tell us your thoughts. Email us, don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter. Tweet us. Twitter, tweet us at don't let's pod. Anchor.fm slash don't let's start. All the stuff is there. That's our home base. Support us. And Dave, uh, you're looking you're looking oppressed. What, what's up? I feel like I should be allowed to share my feelings. Keep it to yourself, weirdo. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Most guys look like elves I don't mean to put them down But they do It's hard to understand me From the language I use There's no word in English For my style What's a man like me supposed to do?